We're back. Um, round two of the Matthew Cox story saga series podcast series. Um, we had such an overwhelming performance here. Scoot this a little bit closer. So uh, where do we leave off on the first podcast? I think uh, we wrapped I got it up. arrested. Yeah, you got arrested at the very end of, of uh, your career in mortgage fraud and identity theft. Right. You got busted from that stupid home invasion. You went to trial, right? No, I didn't go to trial. So, so what happened right after you got arrested? What was the process? Super guilty. Super so, guilty. You're guilty. <laughs> you're super guilty. You don't even think about going to yeah. going to trial. Well, I mean, if you're innocent, and you go to trial. You could be innocent and go to trial. You still got probably a fifty percent chance of being found guilty. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if you're guilty, you just say, "Hey, look," uh, you just beg for forgiveness and say, mm-hmm. "Hopefully, how come you have that mic and not one of these?" Because uh, Shane typically sits here. Oh, okay. And um, this big arm, like, blocks his, the view of him. Oh, okay. So I, that's why I started using this one. Um, yeah, basically, I got arrested, you know, and so I got taken to the Secret Service, you know, headquarter in Nashville, and then I was flown to Atlanta. Mm. And all of my cases were consolidated um, in Atlanta. So I had cases in South Carolina, in Florida, in Tennessee, and in Atlanta. And they were all consolidated in Atlanta. Uh, and so, you know, they, they gave me a – I didn't have any money. They took all the, all the money I had. And – how much money did you have at the time? At the time, I, you know, the thing is, is that but the banks, because some of them were like credit lines, or the, as soon as the banks were notified, they immediately like closed. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Called back any money that was in their accounts and that sort of thing. So mm. how much money did I have at the time? I don't know. We were trying to get – I couldn't even tell you, man. 
I mean, we'd been robbed. We had yeah. a bunch of money stolen from us. It was, I don't know, maybe it was half a million dollars. I, I couldn't even tell you. I do know we were set up to get another half a million or so, possibly a million in refinances. Like I was in the middle of setting all of that up to try and get right. that. See, we'd found out that Dateline was coming out. And when Dateline came out, like I'd already been in Fortune magazine, it had come out. Oh, you had already done the Dateline interview? No, I hadn't. Oh. saying so, they came, Rebecca Hauk got caught before me. So her lawyer had gotten involved and she was from like the Johnny Cochran law firm or something. I mean, it really was like from the Johnny Cochran law firm. And uh, I actually, I saw her on TV the other day. I forget her name. So <clears throat> she had gotten her an interview. You know, she was on Fortune in Fortune magazine. It was the whole, you know, I'm a victim. I fell in love with this guy. He convinced me to do all these things. He manipulated me and I'm a victim and I didn't know what I was doing and it's all him and he's a horrible person. So this so they get they do an interview with Fortune magazine. Fortune magazine puts up the uh writes a story based on her perspective it's it's actually and it's on the internet and so so that and then dateline she did she did dateline and it was a whole poor poor me he's a bad guy i'm a nice person you know he he's a don juan he manipulated me so you know which is listen which honestly had she never come across my path, had she never met me, granted that was probably true. So by actually meeting me, it definitely spun her world. Yeah. Uh, so that was her whole take. Uh, so that had, so Dateline was about to come out, so I was about to leave the, the United States. And that's when I got caught. So I, I get caught, I get brought, I end up in Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta my, I, I, they took all of my money. I don't have any legitimate money, so I can't get a lawyer. <laughs> I end up getting a, a public defender. Mm-hmm. So the public defender comes in, and she's basically like, look, they said, they said you stole $26 million. I'm like, $26 million? That's insane. Never seen $26 million. They're like, yeah, $26 million. The FBI is talking about charging you with $40 million, and they, they have money. Uh, they have, like, money laundering and all these. Just The charges were just outrageous, and they were just tons of them i think at one point if you tacked them stacked them all it was like 250 years or something and then she said don't worry about that the most they could do is if they stacked them really some of those are doubled up and if you plead guilty most you could get is 54 years but don't worry that's not gonna happen either i'm like jesus God. i mean it was just horrible wow you know i'm 37 years old and i was just thinking i'm gonna i'm gonna die in prison and this is ridiculous i was filling out paperwork mm-hmm. filling out paperwork bring it to the bank they're giving me checks i mean you you're talking about giving me something you give a, 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 you know, a serial killer. So she ends up saying, she's like, look, they want to talk to you. FBI wants to talk to you. Secret Service wants to talk to you. Mm-hmm. They've already indicted you in these jurisdictions. Um, your co-defendants have already cooperated against you. Uh, a few of them, not all of them. Some of them just avoided talking to the FBI at all. But most of them had already cooperated. Becky was already in jail girl named Allison Arnold. Remember the girl that went in the bank as Rosita Perez? Yeah. Okay. Um, she ended up getting, uh, she ended up, oh, what does she do? She ended up uh, turning herself in, going in and saying, look, I'll plead guilty. I'm going to turn myself in uh, and I'll plead guilty. Really? And she pled guilty and turned herself in and they gave her like 30 months for turning herself in. FBI had actually told her she won't do any time. 
And then the U.S. attorney came in and said, uh, this guy, uh, Robert Malzakowski came in and he said, no, she's got to go to jail. So, so that's the problem is the FBI will sometimes make a, uh, uh, sometimes the FBI will come in and they'll make promises to you. Yeah. But they're not actually allowed to make promises. So you're, you're thinking the FBI said that, that they were going to do this, but they can't, they can't promise that. And so you're banking on the FBI doing what they said they can do, but they're not really in a position to, to make any promises. Right. And then the U.S. attorney steps in and says, oh, I never said that. Or the agent said that. Well, the agent doesn't have authority to say that. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, oh, that's not my fault. No, right. no, you're going to get 10 years. What? He said I'd get two years, you know. You know, and they always try and they always kind of do a little whole thing. Look, look, I'm going to do this and this. And you're honestly between you and me, you're probably going to end up with a couple of years. That's it. Really? Yeah. Bam. Next thing you know, you get 10 years. So and they're always sorry. Oh, yeah. Allison told me that the FBI agent actually Candace, the woman that uh, remember the woman that I called. Mm hmm. She told me she actually, after she was sentenced, the girl you're playing chicken with, basically, with that, the girl who was saying she, uh, she was like, "Come turn yourself in yeah. in Tampa," and you're like, "What about Atlanta?" Right. And you had the track of the burner phone. Right. So that agent actually went to Allison after she was sentenced. She had to turn herself in and went and told her, "Look, I'm so sorry." She said she she goes she oh, she was just like, "I'm so sorry." And she's like, "You said I didn't have to go to jail." Right. You said I didn't have to go to jail, and she's like, I, "They they just gave me 30 months." And she's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. I, I really thought that that was what was going to happen. And, you know, okay. So Allison went to, you know, went to jail. Allison really genuinely, you know, never got really much money or anything like that. She ended yeah. up doing 30 months. It was, it's ridiculous. Wow. So, you know, and she cooperated. Mm -hmm. You know, I talk to Allison every other day. Really? Yeah. I talk to her all the time. Wow. I mean, she's, she's awesome. She's yeah. an amazing person. Uh, and you know, and it's so funny too, because like when I watched the American greed mm -hmm. and she's like, Matt Cox is the greediest person I've ever met. I called her up and I go, you just said Matt Cox. And she's like, I'm so sorry. You don't understand the pressure I was under. It was the producers. <laughs> they fed me that line. It was funny. She's uh, she's yeah, she's super cool. I talk to her all the time. So anyway, let's see. Uh, so what happens is so there you met with your lawyer she said they're going to get you down to like 53 years yeah yeah she's actually when we, she sat there and i said okay well what what kind of a deal am i can i get and then she said yeah. well she says they they want you to sign what's called an open plea and an open plea means that you plead guilty and whatever the psi comes your pre-sentence report comes out to that's what it is and she goes so i go well what's that she says well they don't do that till after you've cooperated after you've talked after you've you've completely uh, um done everything they've asked and then they'll do that she goes but we can figure it out ourselves she goes because i know what you're charged with i said okay mm -hmm. so we go over it it ends up being between 12 to 14 years i said okay cool 12 to 14 years she has 12 to 14 years plus you're going to get cooperation cooperation means that they're going to reduce your sentence it's a it's a substantial assistance if you provide substantial assistance with the government they'll reduce your sentence and basically you're going to snitch on somebody right, right? And get somebody, you know, get somebody jammed up and get them charged. Okay. Well, everybody I already know, and I'm telling her, everybody I know has already cooperated. She's like, I know, but you need to go in and talk to them anyway. You know, uh, plus they want you to be interviewed by Dateline. And I went, okay. They said, because Dateline had already done a one-hour special on me. And they said, but Dateline wants to do another one-hour special, but they want to interview you this time. Mm -hmm. She was in the government wants you to do it. And they said they will consider it substantial assistance. Okay, well, then I've got to do it.
because I don't have anybody I can tell on. Could you get it in writing or anything? No, they're not going to put anything in writing. Really? That, I mean, that almost never happens. I actually know of one case. The whole time I've been locked up, I know of one case of a guy that got a guarantee we will reduce your sentence. Okay, so um, so I go in, I talk to the, uh, talk to the FBI for three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it two days or three days? I don't know, it was two, about, about two, three days. And so I explained, this is what happened, this is what I did, this is what I did here, I did this, I did this, you know, who helped you? So-and-so helped me. They're like, okay, well, we talked to so-and-so. Remember they came in first, they gave me a stack of what's called 302s, which is other people that cooperate against you. Right. It, they're called, they're, it, the, it's interviews with witnesses they're called 302s. They yep. give me a stack of them. And I'm really? like, literally every single person I know they've, well, not everybody, but almost everybody they've talked to already. I'm like, Jesus Christ, all these participants have, or co-conspirators have already cooperated. So I say, you know, they're like, oh, so-and-so said this. I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's what happened. But I don't really have any new information. They'd had three years to investigate. Right. So I don't have anything. Okay. And people have been indicted, but they hadn't arrested anybody. You know what I'm saying? They, they were waiting to catch me. Well, keep in mind, by the time this is all taking place, the economy's melting down. This is 2007. Oh, so by shit. late, by mid to late 2007, the economy's starting to melt down. It's the more, it's, it's the right. beginning of the mortgage crisis. Right. So, uh, what, thanks what, to you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. My little few million dollars yeah. ended up melting. And, and, you know, that's the kind of stuff they were saying, though. It's because of people like you. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Talking about billions of dollars. Right. I mean, They're just so anything. ignorant too, yeah. But you know, they, they, they need a face. Exactly. So so anyway, I end up going in and I talked to the Secret Service and my I always loved it. When I went to talk to the Secret Service, I told you that I used to make banks, right? I, I would make like fake online banks. So if I had to verify somebody, let's say I have to verify, you, let's say you need something like reserves. Okay. So I have a bunch of mortgages and I'm refinancing them, but you have so many mortgages, the bank says, look, we need to know that if you lose your job, you can make all these payments. Mm. We need to know you have six months worth of reserves. Right. Yep. Mm. Well, I've got five, pay, five payments on five different mortgages already. So they go, so we need to basically need to see that you have $60,000 in your bank. Well, I didn't have a bank with 60000 So what I did was I would make online banks and then I would create a website for them. We clone another website, change a few, change it around a little bit, make a, a basic GoDaddy type, very simple website. And so they and then I'd make fake bank statements, and I would send them to the banks. And then they could check. They could always go to check out the bank. So I made one called the Bank of Ebor. One was a bank of, um, it was a Southern Exchange Bank of Clarksville, because uh, that bank had actually been sold to country. I'd sold to um, like First Union or somebody. Anyway. So these were banks that were already like known banks. No, these aren't real banks. There's no Bank of Ebor. <laughs> oh my god! So, so but if you've got you're some you're just some underwriter, and all they're doing is they're getting some bank statements. And if they're questioning it, they go. They can always look up the website, yeah. or they can call. And there's a there's a voicemail talking about how it's a small local bank. We're currently you know experiencing high, high yeah. collar volume. Yeah, yeah. Leave your name and number. Someone will call you back. Whatever. So. You know, which almost never happens because they have the bank statements. They have original bank statements. Mm-hmm. So, and the, you know, then they're verifying all, everything. They're making calls and they're probably not going, they're really just verifying the reserves and they have the bank statements. That's mm-hmm. all they need. Mm-hmm. So the point is, is that when I get caught by the Secret Service, one of the first things that they say to me is, look, we want to talk to you about what happened. You know, we've already talked to Rebecca Halk. And so here's the issue, Mr. Cox, is are you hiding any money? 
have you given us all the money? I said, absolutely. You got all the money out of SunTrust. You got all, all the money out of First Tennessee Bank. You got all the, I start naming them. You got all those. You, you, I gave you all the banks. They're like, Mr. Cox, we know you're hiding money. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not hiding any money. They go, yeah, yeah, you are. They said, you're, you're about to get charged with obstruction of justice. And I'm like, my lawyer's going, hey, do we need to talk? I'm like, no, I gave them all the What are you talking about? They pull out a couple of uh, bank statements and slam them on. They go, you've got $180,000 in Southern Exchange Bank of Clarksville <laughs> under the name of Walter Holcomb. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, are you serious? And they're like, yeah. And what are you, what are you doing? And I, I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, listen. <laughs> Oh, my God. Keep in mind, you got the U.S. attorney there and two Secret Service agents. And I go, did you call the bank? They go, yeah, we called the bank. I went, did you talk to somebody? And they go, no, we, I left, I've left several messages. I go, did you go to the website? And they go, yeah. I said, what did you think of it? And he goes, I mean, it's a website. It's a bank website. What do you mean? I go, but I mean, it's well done. It's professional. He goes, I mean, it's a bank website. And I went, yeah, but it's, it's, it's convincing. <laughs> and he goes, Oh, son of a bitch. He goes, it's fake, isn't it? And I went, I said, bro, it's all an illusion. Oh, go, what the fuck? Are you serious? I go, who did you, you, what did you do? He goes, we subpoenaed the bank. I go, what bank? There's no bank. And he said, they looked it up on the bank registry and the number was actually good because there was a Southern Exchange <clears throat> Bank, but it mm. wasn't Southern Exchange Bank of Clarksville. Mm. It was a real Southern Exchange Bank that had been purchased by another bank so the registration number or whatever was still good so they had the address and they subpoenaed them a few days earlier i was like this is insane i said i haven't paid that thing in months there's no way he turned around he dialed the number and sure enough like the number goes doo, doo, doo. you know the, the phone number yeah called yeah and yep. he's like and i'm like holy shit so i mean i always thought that was funny I, and i remember looking at the guy who was just looking at me smiling and i go i'm embarrassed you caught me and he just starts laughing. He was actually cool. The Secret Service was actually agents were cool. You know, I went through everything. This is what I did here. This is what I did here. They kept saying, look, there's got to be other mo- more money out there. It's like at the end of Amer- American Greed, they say there's like $4 million or something yeah, yeah. missing or some bullshit. Mm-hmm. And they kept saying that kind of stuff. But there's no money. Okay. So then when I met with the FBI, they were just, it was Candace and she hated my guts. Oh, and, you met with her in person? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the worst thing is, she you call know, you sweetie. Oh, listen. <laughs> worst thing about Candace was, she's got to be five nine, five eight, five nine, and she wears heels, so she's like six foot tall. Mm-hmm. And I've got slippers on from the jail, and I'm like five foot six, five seven, with a good pair of shoes, and I didn't have them. Yeah, <laughs> and she towered over me, and she was belligerent, and she was just, she really loved the fact. I remember at one point she was taking my handcuffs off and and I rubbed my wrist and she said and she goes your wrist hurt and I go yeah and she goes get used to it I was just like damn <laughs> oh she really despised me um so anyway the point is is that I end up doing the interview with Dateline mm-hmm. because I think they're going to reduce my sentence for it okay just keep in mind I've, I've everything I've told them they basically already know there's no reduction in, in there that for me. Right. So I do the Dateline thing, and the night before my sentencing, oh, I got my PSI back, by the way, and it says, like, I'm doing, like, 26 years. I got 26 years in four months. I never say the four months because— What's PSI? Your pre-sentence report. Okay. So it's recommending that the judge give me 26 years. My lawyer's like, don't worry about that. We're going to argue some of these enhancements. Not a big deal. So— uh, I go, so 
she goes, plus you, you're, you're going to get a reduction. Okay. Well, the night before, the U.S. attorney decides she's not going to give me a reduction. She goes, yeah. And he, she goes, but he did dateline. She goes, yeah, well, you said you'd consider it substantial assistance. She goes, I did say that, and I did consider it, and it's not. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I was like, but she said she would. She goes, no, she, she said she would consider it substantial assistance. She did consider it. And I was like, oh, my God. So I mean, the Dateline interview did they, absolutely nothing Nothing for, for me at that time. So I get in front of the judge, and my lawyer argues the enhancements, and the judge is like, yeah, I disagree. Okay, well, this enhancement, I disagree. Keep in mind, they do stuff like some of the enhancements, they were just ridiculous. I mean, I got, you get an enhancement for committing another crime while you're on probation, so you get an enhancement. You get a, I got an enhancement for more than, like, 50 victims or something. But they counted... They counted uh, Countrywide Bank like five times. And I was like, well, no, they go, yeah, Countrywide Bank. You took money from them, Countrywide uh, Financial, Countrywide Home Loans. Mm-hmm. Country- so it's like, what are you talking everyone, about? Everyone is a separate entity. Okay. Well, and my lawyer's like, yeah, they can do that. And then they turn around and they say, okay, well, we're hitting you for taking stealing more than a million dollars from one institution. And I was like, what institution is that? And they go, Countrywide. I go, you said it's five different. No, 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 for this purpose, it's one. You see what I'm saying? Everything's stacked against you. Jesus. There's just nothing you can do. You're right. at their mercy. So anyway, she loses all these enhancements, <clears throat> uh, arguments for the enhancements. Judge says you're getting 26 years in mm-hmm. six months. Okay. I'm sorry, 26 years, four months. So I would say 26 years. So I get 26 years. I go back um, to the unit. I mean, bro, bad day. Crying, listen, crying like a small child. I mean, you can't believe the way I was. I mean, just couldn't. I mean, just the tears. They even closing my eyes. I mean, they just wouldn't stop coming. We I mean, talk about just, just fundamentally just fractured. I mean, I was just. It was like it was something you just can't believe that you just got twenty six years. I couldn't believe I'd done anything to get twenty six years. I I filled out paperwork, and given it to the bank, and what what happened? Mm-hmm. How is this possible? Yeah. So. I end up getting shipped to prison. I go to prison. I go to the medium because I have so much time. You medium security. Medium security prison, which is, it looks like a real prison. It's what you think a prison is. It's, there's two-tier systems where it's a, you know, there's the second railing. There's, there's, a, there's a, a, a center console area where the guard sits, and you can see all the, all the rooms down here. They're locked down at night. Yeah. There's a second tier up, to, up top. Where there's rooms, I mean, it's it's a real prison there. Right. So uh, I go there. I mean, it's just the guys there are all massively huge. <laughs> and I go into the prison, and as soon as I get there, they assign me a room. I meet my bunkie, which is this Mexican guy. Uh, now, is medium is a medium tier prison? Is that for violent crimes? Or yeah. okay, yeah, okay. Well, it's a medium. Typically, to go to a medium, you either have to have an extensive amount of time a long record um, or you have to have violence okay you know for instance uh, you know like if you have a you could be something like you've been arrested four or five times gone to jail once and but you happen to have a gun in your case Mm. and they'll say that's violent you had a gun that's violent you're going to the medium so you have high points high security points Mm. my security points were like two or three which is which is low that's a camp I should have gone to a camp. What did you get any kind of violent points for? No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't, didn't get any? I had too much time. Oh, because it was so, okay. Right. You can't, oh, okay. so if you have over 20 years to do, 
you're yeah. going to a medium. Right. Got I it. had 23 years. As soon as you, I got sentenced for 26 years, they immediately knock off three for your good time. Mm. So I still have 23 years. I've mm. been locked up for a year already. So I got about 22, 23 years left. Okay. So you got to go. I got to go to a medium. So I go to the medium. Right. Everybody there is almost everybody there has like bullet holes in them. They've all I met. I met. I've met 30 or 40 guys that had actually gone to trial like for murder or already done state time for murder or for something. I mean, there's these are violent guys. These are guys doing home invasions. These are guys doing carjackings. These are big time drug dealers. And you don't even have to be a big time drug dealer. You can have just a sell be selling, you know, ten dollar crack rocks. As you happen to have a gun, you're going to a medium right. or a pen. Right. So I end up going to the medium. I remember the first time I get there, I meet my celly. Mm-hmm. We shake hands. I go down to That was uh, the first guy you met. First guy I met. And it's locked down all the time. So I, I actually um, I went down to get like some water or something. So immediately they start screaming, lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. And I don't know what I'm like, well, what's going on? My celly comes up to me and he says, Hey Celly, you gotta go we gotta go to the room now. And I was like, He's like, come on, come on. You know, he knows I don't know anything. Right. I'm like, well, what's going on? He goes, we got to go to the room. And I go, okay. So I go up to, I said, what happened? He said, somebody got stabbed in the yard. And I went, someone got stabbed. Someone died? And he goes, no, no, they just stabbed him a little bit. Just got stabbed up. Stabbed up a little bit. <laughs> I was like, a little bit? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's just the kind of place it was. You know, and it wasn't, there wasn't like a lot of gang activity. If there was, it didn't have anything to do with me. And the reason that I got lucky was within a few, within a month or two, I'm basically hanging out in the library because people are stabbing each other in the yard. Mm-hmm. So I, I end up they, – they have what they call continuing education course. Not, yeah, not continuing education. Sorry. They're, they're um, ACE courses, um, adult continuing education courses. Okay. So there was a guy who taught the real estate class. He ended up after a month or so didn't want to teach it, and he comes to me, and he goes, listen, man, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm doing legal work all the time. It's just too much. Can you start teaching it? And I said, mm-hmm. sure. So I start teaching the real estate course. Wow, I that's taught, ironic. Yeah, I know. I taught the real estate course the whole time I was at Coleman. From the med- as soon as I left the medium, within a month I'm teaching it at the at the low. But anyway, I stayed at the medium, so I'm hanging out at the medium, and I'm waiting, and I'm thinking to myself that I I'm I'm really kind of just screwed. There's nothing I can do. So. After I end up getting a job in education and I'm teaching a real estate and that's all I do. What was that like? How many people were in your class? How many, how many what, students? In the real estate thing? Yeah. Oh, like 40 guys. 40 guys. Oh, listen, and you know, and you've got some guys that show up and they show up and they're like, listen, man, I just want a certificate because my case manager is bugging me and telling me I got to yeah. take classes. I don't want to be here. And I'm like, okay, so. Go to sleep. Yeah. No, well, no, I was like, look, just give me. Two coffees, you know, they sell bags, give me two bags of coffee and two bags of creamer. Oh, okay. And I'll fill out all the paperwork and I'll make sure you get the certificate. And they're like, man, cool, great. They take really? off and they bring it back. And they will they will bring it back. Like at the low, guys will try and fuck you, fuck you over. Mm. But at the medium, that guy the next week shows up with you. Here's your stuff, man. The, because things can go wrong in the medium. Mm. They have a lot more respect for one another in the okay. medium. So, you know, it's funny. You would think at the higher levels, yeah. you'd have less respect. But the higher levels, guys are more respectful for one another because right. the, the consequences are so bad. Right. At the low, they're jerks to each other because you're at a low and you want to stay there. So you're not going to stab someone at a low, mm-hmm. although it happens, Yeah. because you want to stay there. People are a lot more ruthless in the yeah. mediums. <laughs> so, right, and pens and that sort of thing. So anyway, okay. I end up leaving. So three years— I'm Sorry, how, how, how often were the classes— how, like how many a week? Or? Oh, it's like one or two a week. Okay. At one point, I was teaching teaching uh, two classes, 
and and what kind of stuff are you teaching them? Like, I teach just basic real estate, like uh, like how to buy houses. Yeah. And, okay. I mean, and how to I, get you know, loans. Yeah. How to get how to get a loan? How to get a hard money loan? Okay. What they should be paying? What they charge? What mm. the you know how to write up a what the hard money lender is going to be looking for? How to determine is this house you know worth buying? You know, um, you know, you go through the whole thing, pulling permits, whether or not you know you should pull a permit or not. I mean, technically, yeah. you change a toilet, you're supposed to pull a permit, but yeah. nobody does that. So you kind of just go through the motions with them, right? And they, you know, and, it, and I explain to it how it, it always sounds good. Yeah, I bought this house for forty thousand. I put twenty in it. Right. I sold it for eighty. You know, and people are like, you know, oh man, you made twenty thousand dollars. It's like. No, no, I didn't. You, you don't, you know, it sounds good. Mm. It's always, you know, you, you, things go wrong. This got stolen. That mm. got stolen. It's a pain in the ass. I had to clean up glass in the front yard. I, you know, it's, it's always, I always think you're going to make 30,000. You make 25. And if you think you're going to make 30,000 and you end up making 25, you feel like you got screwed out of $5,000. I mean, it's, it's just, it's all, it's like being a, const- a professional construction worker and it's just, it's tough. It's a tough business. Yeah. So, but I go through it all and they all think they're going to get out and flip houses and they get psyched <laughs> up and get pumped up and yeah and uh it was so funny too because you should have been running your own youtube show out of there and live streaming it you would have had uh, millions of followers oh, it, was, <laughs> it was great too because it was like it was so amazing because they would walk up to me after class and be like hey man that was a good class and shake my hand really I, yeah it was like and i was like dude i'd have five or six guys every class shaking my hand i'd be like and i mean <laughs> if i wanted to look around i'm being punked is this guy shaking my hand this guy's wow. got 30 years he's a crack dealer and he's shaking my hand and you guys are telling me that, you know, man, I'm going to do this when I get out. You probably really helped him. You probably gave him, you know what I mean? Gave him some sort of hope uh, you know, to look forward thing. to. Being a drug dealer is probably is a real asset in that. because in Oh, that, hell yeah. Because there are hustlers. It is. It's hustling. Right. Yeah. And they don't mind going up and talking to people or knocking on doors and arguing right. with con- contractors and stuff. Exactly. So it's it's one of the few things. And I tell them all that and they would get excited. And yeah. I'd go through all the process. So it was a good class. Everybody yeah. loved that class. So That's cool. I had a waiting list. So, but I did that, and then eventually I ended up getting moved to the low. Mm-hmm. So now I'm getting, I'm moved how, to the, How long did that take? Three years. Three years. Three years. Oh, man, it was just, it was just the worst. So the, the medium was just, I'm saying, it was just, I, although what was great about it was I did have a, my own, I had a cell with, a, with a, a, a good, a celly. He was a good celly. He was an ex-gang member. He'd already done 13 years. The Mexican guy? Mexican guy. 13 years for manslaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, or attempted murder, sorry, in Texas. And then as soon as he got out, he thought he was going home. They picked him up for reentry, and the feds hit him for something like seven or eight years. He got sent. I mean, just that's fucked up. He could not get a break. Damn. But he was he was a good guy. So, uh, uh, let me think. So anyway, I go to the low. I get to the low. It, it's getting to the point where I realize. Uh, you know, you, you you know what what gets you through it is you know hope, right? You know, everybody's like oh, I can't. I remember you always tell everybody's always like I, I have a buddy named Trion. Trion's like, man, I can't, I can't, I, I couldn't do it. And I was like, it's funny because when I first got arrested, I had met a guy, and I met the guy and he, uh, this guy who'd been locked up in the state and was now doing some about to go and do some federal time uh, for a gun, and he'd been locked up for like ten years in the state and he'd done some time. And he was going in the feds, so. I remember he said, or was it the opposite? Anyway, so I remember he, I, I said, man, I just, I can't, I, it'd only been a month or two. I'd been in county jail. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. He goes, he goes, well, this is a great thing. You don't have to. And I go, well, what do you mean? And he goes, you don't have to do it. 
He goes, they're going to make you do it. So it's effortless on your part. You just have to keep yourself entertained. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, that's horrible. That's a horrible thing to say. But it's you, a very you grim come. Way to look at it. But it's the only, you know, you start to you get to the re- you realization <clears throat> where you, you're going to do the time. There's nothing, there's just nothing you can do. So really it's just about entertaining yourself. Mm-hmm. So, so what happens is, you know, the other thing he told me, which I always thought was, was interesting. He told me, and you're gonna, not going to believe this, but you're going to meet some of the best people you've ever met in federal prison. I was like, that's never going to happen. Because, I mean, I'm sitting there like, these guys are scumbags. You know, that's not going to happen. He goes, you will meet some of the best people you've ever met in federal prison. You'll build some great relationships and good fr- and lifelong friends in federal prison. He goes, and there will be moments. He said, when you will be hanging out with a bunch of guys, laughing your ass off. He said, and you will look up and you will think, these are great guys. There's no place I'd rather be. This is a, these are, these are a, this is a great moment. And I thought, that's never going to happen. Bro, like three, four years later, I was playing Risk with a bunch of guys. We've been playing for two days, and there's like four of us, and we're screaming and yelling at each other and laughing our asses off and double-crossing each other, and we're drinking sodas, and we got like the soda guys bringing us cold sodas, and we're <laughs> eating popcorn, and we're on the yard, and it's we're laughing. I mean, just to the point where your stomach hurts so bad. You're just you're in tears, and you're cracking up. <laughs> and I remember looking up and thinking, this is a amazing. This yeah. is a great. I'm, this is a great time. These are great guys. Wow. And I remember thinking, fuck, it's exactly what that guy did. And I had several moments like that. Wow. I couldn't laugh. You wake up the next morning, your, your stomach hurts. You're laughing. You know, I, you had been laughing that much. So I end up going to, uh, I go to the low. I'm teaching the real estate class. I, uh, I end up wanting to write a memoir, right, about what, because I'd been contacted by. So you're still teaching the class in the low. Right. Okay. Well, actually what happened was just prior to that, I'd been contacted by American Greed. They wrote me a letter uh, saying they wanted to, to interview me, and I called my lawyer, and I said, hey, this is when I was still in the medium. I forgot this. I called my lawyer, and I said, hey, I got a letter. She was I got the letter, too. U.S. attorney got the letter, too. She, Gail McKenzie, she's already called me. She wants you to do the interview. Hmm. I said, okay, well, wait a second. The last time I did an interview, she said, no, no. She said she, she was mad. She sent me a, a, an email. I said, was it a guarantee? She goes, well, you know, they won't do that. But she said she will, she will consider it substantial assistance and put it with the other one, and she believes that it's enough to give you, you, know, to give you a, a reduction. Okay. And I said, okay, great. Can't hurt, right? Right. I, what choice do I have, you know? Right. So I do the interview. yourself. <laughs> right. I do the interview. I, I, they won't let the cameras in. Because it's a uh, it's a prison and federal prison doesn't really let cameras in. Most of these times you see these guys on they're usually state, or if it is federal, they're still in the marshal's custody. Because mm. I was interviewed by Dateline and I am on camera. However, I was in the marshal's custody. Mm. So once you're in BOP custody, they're not letting the cameras in. So anyway, I end up going to the warden's office and talking on the phone for like two days or something to wow. you know for several hours to American Greed, and then they they barely use any of it. So. Uh, they run the, they end up running the, uh, the, uh, the, they end up running the, uh, the whole episode, the whole episode. I know I only, I saw it once I got out, everybody had seen it. I had guys coming up to me. They'd seen, I kept missing it. I never did get to see it till is, I got out. Is there anywhere online where people listening can find that? Um, no, I mean, I sent you the link. Remember, can you make that link clickable the, the, from your website? The, the problem, the reason I, I can't is because when they gave it to me, they said, 
like they said, first they wanted me to pay mm-hmm. $350, and I, $350. And I said, no, no, no. I said, I, I, I was, and I explained. You, you just already, wanted to watch it, right? I just want to watch it. Right. So they gave it to, they gave me the thing and they said, but it's not available. It's for you to watch. You can't not, share it. You can't share it. It's, you're, it's not to be licensed. It's not to be made publicly available. And to be honest, I don't want to get sued. You know, you've seen it. It used to be on Hulu. When I first got out, I watched it on Hulu. So, uh, so anyway, um, so I end up doing the American Greed. Yeah. And they air it. And uh, my lawyer contacts the U.S. attorney and says, look, it aired, Dateline and this. And she says, okay. And she goes, well, um, well we need you to reduce it, uh, his sentence. And right. she says, well, you know, the problem is I'm just not sure. Let me think about it. So she drags her feet, drags her feet. And finally she comes back and she, she says, listen, it's just not enough. I mean, there's no rest. I don't know what to do. She says, we don't know what to do. I mean, I feel for Mr. Cox, but that's just the way it is. So about the same time this is happening – a guy named Jim Montrum contacts me, and he owned uh, the uh, loan, uh, National Loan Origination School. And all mortgage brokers have to take like 12 hours or nine hours of continuing education, and like three hours of that is ethics and fraud. Mm-hmm. And he came to me and he said, look, I want you to write an ethics and fraud course with me so I can teach it during the, for the continuing education. I want to do a whole course. And I said, okay, well, I mean, that's great. Uh, I call my call my attorney she calls the u.s attorney u.s attorney says i want to talk to this guy he flies in they all get together they meet at the u.s attorney's office they all have a conversation she says look definitely i'm going to do something he definitely has to do this this is huge i can definitely make an argument that he deserves his sentence reduced if he does this so i write nine nine uh, ninety five hundred word course i write the whole course i do everything he starts teaching it we go to apply to them to ask them okay can you file a sentence reduction and um, she says, uh, yeah, it's just not enough. So at that point, I, I by that point, I got I had been moved to the low. What's the point of, of getting you to do all this stuff? If she it seems like she wants you to do this. Well, for, why does she all, want you to do it? She's continually being interviewed. You know, she's like a media hound. You know, she likes the Oh, because she's being okay. she's being interviewed. Okay. She's definitely being interviewed. And it makes her look like a, a big shot. And she's the one who's always like, Mr. Cox stole millions and millions and millions. And she was always like really jacking it up like it was huge. Like it was and it was like, OK, you're making things worse than they are. And, right. and it's untrue. So, you know, a lot of the stuff was untrue that she's pumping up and she knows it. So anyway. The point is, is that I am now I'm just doomed. I'm just fucked. You're doing I'm doing the time. And so I'm kicked back and I'm doing the time and I'm thinking to myself and everybody always I remember Treon, my buddy says, man, you got 26 years. How, man, how are you going to do that? Are you going to have to do what? 23? I said, yeah, I was going to use your outdate was 2030. I went, well, I never thought I was going to go to 2030. I was thought at 10 years, they'll move me to a camp and I'll just leave. There's no, there's no fences. I'd have 10 years to go. You move me to a camp at ten, with 10 years, I'm not fucking staying. What is a camp? A camp is you have, a, you have pens. Well, you have ADX, which is in Colorado where they put people under the ground, and it's, a, it's for terrorists and stuff. Then you have the most— That's where El Chapo is. That, yes. So, uh, and, and like the shoe bomber and all these terrorists and stuff, that's where they, a lot of them end up. So you've got ADX. Then you have pens. Like Coleman has two penitentiaries. Then you have mediums. The bulk of the system, I think, is basically mediums because that's basically what you think of as like a real prison. Yeah. 
and then you have uh, lows, and then you have camps. Camps have no fences, typically. There's a few that have fences, but even those fences, you can jump them. Basically, you'll have like 200 people there, or 150 guys. You'll have like two guards, and they sit in a room because you're basically on out custody. Is that where you can do work release programs? Right. Okay. You could Right, that sort of thing. Okay. So there's just, you know, the camps, and the camps are just outrageous. I mean, guys are like jumping the fence, going and getting McDonald's, coming back. Guys are jumping the fence, going and robbing 7-Elevens and coming back. I mean, there was in Atlanta, these guys are like, they're, they're all drunk all the time. They're, you know, it's, it's insane. They all have cell phones. They're all taking pills, and it's, it's outrageous. Wow. But they were saying, look, you know, you'll, I, I always assumed at 10 years I could have gone to a camp because I came in with camp points. So I was thinking to myself, I'll go to a camp, and I'll leave. So basically by the time I kind of started putting that together, you know, I've been locked up. I had like 10 years to go. In my mind, I was like, you got 10 years. You really had like 20-something years to go. But I was just thought, man, I'll just go to a camp and, and leave. Uh, because, I mean, that's just – you're trying to say anything to get yourself through it. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's that whole hope. It's that little light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Anyway, I, I go to the low. I'm there, and I decide I'm going to write a memoir. So I end up writing a memoir. Uh, and while I wrote that memoir, I read a bunch of books on – a bunch. I read like two books on how to write memoirs. I wrote, read a book on – I read like a – like nonfiction writing for dummies or something, mm-hmm. which is actually a great book. Uh, so I read these books, and, and what's funny is that you know you really have to kind of learn about yourself. <clears throat> you know, does that make sense? Like you, I got locked up, and initially when I got locked up, it was everybody else's fault. Mm. And you start reading about yourself and about memoirs and about how to what helped shape you, who you were, how did you get here? You know, you have to do some internal you know yeah. thinking about yourself, and you start to realize. You know, I realize kind of like you know. I put me here. Nobody else did. I made all those decisions. I'm just a douchebag. Right. I fucked up. I've made some selfish decision. I'm extremely narcissistic. I'm extremely self-centered. Yeah. Um, I tend to dominate conversations. Uh, it's difficult for me to take interest in other people. I mean, I, I have some major fucking problems. You know, I'm extremely entertaining. Well, it's, I mean, that's huge to be able to recognize that. I mean, that's a well, huge, that's a huge, I mean. But what's, yeah, but I'm saying that's what's funny is I'm in prison reading this, yeah. and I'm like... And you're realizing all of it. Yeah, I'm going, that's me. Where I would have never said that before. Had someone actually accused me of being a narcissist or arrogant or anything, I'd be like, that's bullshit. You don't know me. You don't, right. No, you know what? You do know me because you start to see yourself in, as you really are. And so it, you know, it's, it's, it's humbling mm. you know, to realize that. Yeah. And then you start to see it in other people you know, and see yourself in other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, anyway, I end up writing a, a memoir. While I'm writing that memoir, a guy named Ephraim Deveroli is comes on the compound. Uh, Deveroli is uh, Deveroli was in Rolling Stone magazine. Deveroli had he and another guy named Packhouse had sold military weapons and ammunition to the U.S. government, and uh, he'd ended up selling a bunch of Chinese ammunition, which was embargoed, and he got in trouble. Rolling Stone did a big spread on him uh, by a guy named Guy Lawson. So I meet, I read the article, and somebody told me, hey, you know that article the other day in Rolling Stone about the gun kid? And I was like, yeah, they go, that's him right there. I was like, fuck. So later on, I went up to him and talked to him and said, hey, man, my name's Matt Cox. Uh, you know, you ought to think about writing. I read your, that article on you. You ought to think about writing a memoir. And he was like, oh, I couldn't write a memoir. I'm, I'm I'm like ADHD and I'm bipolar. He said, I couldn't pay attention long enough. He said, I couldn't do that. I mean, he was real 
dismissive. Yeah. I said, well, if you need any help, I'd be willing to willing to write an outline for you or work with you on an outline. You could probably send it to a, a ghostwriter on the street and they could ghostwrite it for you. You still have plenty of money, obviously. And he's like, uh, yeah, I'll think about it. So anyway, a few like months go by. And eventually, after several months, I basically was finishing up mine. I ended up getting a, a, a literary agent. Mm-hmm. And so I convinced, so Devaroli comes to me and he says, hey, I'm, you know, I, I definitely, I want to do it, that sort of thing. So we end up doing this, right, I end up writing this book for him. And so then he ends up, I'm not going to get all into it. It's too convoluted. It's a but whole other story. It's a whole other story. He ends up leaving with the memoir. Gives me a big bear hug, tells me I know him more than anybody in the world. That you completed for him. Of course. Right. Well, I wrote the whole thing. Right. And How long did it take you to write it? About three months. Okay. Which is quit really, really quick. But God, he had a ton of it. He had all of his evidence. And his sister was doing all research for me. So if I was like, hey, listen, he told me about this. Or I would, I'm sorry, I'd send her an email and say, he told me about one time this happened or this. Do you remember when this plane blew up? And can you look up some articles? Bam, she'd send me all these articles. Yeah. Who was that again? His sister. His sister, okay. Was doing research for me. And he had like... He just put you in contact with all these people that he worked with and his family. Right. Well, and he had like ten or he had like ten or ten different boxes of evidence. Oh wow! Under his bed and in the lockers and everything. So if I said, "Hey," in there with him, yeah. Wow. Well, he's fighting his case. Okay. So, you know, if I said, "Hey, do you have your transcripts from that?" Of course, I'll bring them to you tomorrow. He'd show up with stacks of transcripts. I had to read and pull out stuff, and so I end up writing this book. He leaves with the book. Warner Brothers. According to his uh, his lawsuit, Warner Brothers ends up getting a hold of the manuscript. Okay. And they use his manuscript and this guy, Guy Lawson, the article that, that, that in Rolling Stone magazine. They bought the rights to the article, and they used the article plus the book that I wrote, the manuscript, to supposedly write the movie War Dogs. Directed by Todd Phillips. Right. And with uh, Jonah Hill plays Devaroli. Right. And it's funny because, uh, you know, anyway, you know, he's a scoundrel. He plays a scoundrel. He really never, I mean, you know, Jonah Hill did a great job. So that that movie gets made and then. Is it, it did he really? Is it pretty accurate? It's it's accurate only. I think that, uh, I think Devaroli is, is more cunning, more vicious. Okay. Uh, you know, so. How, how. How on point is the movie to like the manuscript you wrote? Did they go? Did they veer off? No, did they leave yeah, they out? definitely veered off. Okay, what they did was uh, they they took scenes that were definitely scenes from my manuscript, mm-hmm. but they swapped characters. Like they changed them, they altered them certain ways. Things that were cer- certainly not in any of the other books. They're definitely taken from my manuscript, but then instead of having Deroli. Like in the movie, Pacal's girlfriend is against the war. And there's all these arguments between Pacal's and his girlfriend about the war. She doesn't like the war. She doesn't like him selling weapons. The, the, so she's against it. In real life, that was Devaroli. They just swapped the characters. Oh. So Pacal's didn't have this great apartment. It was that was Devaroli. There's all these things that mm. Devaroli. So they just swapped them because they couldn't, because they had Pacal's life rights, not Devaroli's. So they just swapped the two. Wow. But anyway, so so what were you doing when you found out this movie came out? <laughs> oh, I'm 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 in the uh, I'm in, still in prison. Devaroli stopped talking to me. My literary agent stopped talking to me. So what, the two okay. of them are now suing. Were, were then suing Warner Brothers. Who? 
Deveroli and my literary agent, they okay. end up teaming up and suing Warner Brothers. And, and, I, and nobody's talking to me. Nobody's telling me anything. <laughs> I've never gotten a, They're not sending me money. They're not answering calls. I'm writing letters. Um, I mean, that, like I said, that's a whole other story. The point is, is they, I, I, I sue them. They sue me. They sue Warner. Warner, they end up – there's all these things. I don't, I've signed a confidentiality agreement. So I don't want to say what, what actually I know happened. But the bottom line is – Is this is story it, on your website? Uh, part oh, of the story. The memoir is on. not on your website. No. Okay. okay. No, 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 no. Actually, the memoir is on the website. I think you can buy the me- memoir if you click. If you go there, part of the story is, yes, the story about me meeting him and writing the book. Okay, okay. And then him getting out and him filing suit against Warner Brothers. And the whole, that, that part is there. But then it kind of – it. I think I end it with me filing a lawsuit, and then okay. I don't say anything else. Because since then, things have happened. We've had mediations. We've had several things happen. So it's, that's currently going on. Currently active. going on right okay. now. So, and look, I told you about some of, the De- stuff, some of the stuff that's happened. Where's Deveroli right now? Oh, he's in Miami. I saw him. I saw him a month or so ago. About a month or so ago, I went down for the deposition, and uh, it, it, that's Holy a whole shit. that's a whole nother story, man. That's it's insane. So, I matter of fact, my lawyer might actually be like, "What the hell are you doing? Don't talk about that." You, uh, so, but I don't think I've said anything. It's just not already in public record. Right. But there's other stuff. Anyway, so we're still. Oops, sorry, we're still going back and forth. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I write his. Well, you know, I'm writing now. So now I've decided I want to write. I remember Devaroli had read my manuscript, my my memoir, and he said it was a. He wanted me to write the story. He goes, "That's the best thing I've ever best thing I've ever read." But in retrospect, after Later, I found out he'd actually only read like Dr. Like, Seuss. Yeah, he never really read anything. So I was like, okay, well, it's not really a compliment. Cat in the hat. You, you've read like three books your whole life. So uh, anyway, so I write his story. Then I end up writing Marcus Shrinker's story. Okay. Uh, which <clears throat> Shrinker's a guy that jumped out of an airplane. Uh, he, in 2008, the fin- during the financial crisis, uh, Shrinker had ripped off a bunch of people, mm. and the they were coming to arrest him, and he knew that he was about to be indicted and arrested. So he takes his airplane up, and he calls in a distress signal, saying, "Ah, oh, the windshield ex- imploded. Ah, oh, I'm in, I'm you know, I'm bleeding, I'm bleeding. Ah," oh. and he sets the autopilot, <clears throat> opens up the passenger door, and jumps out. So. He thinks the plane's going to go out over so the he's Gulf. So he's trying to fake his own death. He's trying to fake his own death. It's going to go out over the Gulf, crash in the Gulf. Even if they find it, they'll think the body washed away. Right. Well, because he had opened up the back, it burned off too much fuel, and it ended up running out of fuel about a mile or two before the Gulf. So it ends up landing on a swampy area. Windshield is not imploded. Windshield is perfectly intact. Perfectly intact. Oh, my Going God. through the trees, rips off the wings, flips upside down, everything, but that windshield's fine. They catch up with him a couple days later. In a, in a campground. And so I write this whole story about him, although right away he comes to me and asks me to write the story. So I go, okay, so I write this story. But during the course of writing the story, very quickly I realize he's a pathological liar. Mm-hmm. He's just blatantly lying to me. He's trying to blame everything on his wife. He's trying to say his wife, it's all his wife's fault. And, uh, and so we end up going back and forth. I basically convince him and eventually kind of con the truth out of him throughout the story. And I talk about that in the story. And the story is actually on my website, mm-hmm. too. Same thing. Just read it. It's great. Right. It's amazing. Oh, did you finish it? I or did finish you... it. I'm, I'm, about, I'm about, about three quarters of the way through. I'm a slow reader. Lo- That's why I buy the audio version so I can listen to it while I You know, if you have an Apple, you know you could just highlight it and push speak. Yeah, but I, I don't even have an iPad. I, just got my, I was no. on my laptop. 
You don't have an iPhone? Oh, yeah. I guess I could do it on my iPhone. I do it all the time. Do you I really? I hate reading. I'll get some text that's like, I'm like, what the, the hell? You hear the, the robot just talks to you? Yeah, just or Siri, I'll just, whatever her name is? Yeah, I'll just highlight it and push speak. Boom, oh, and it starts on. That's what I got to fucking do. I can't. Man, I can't. I can <laughs> barely read. I'm dyslexic. I'm, I'm, I'm horrible. Yeah. So, uh, so what, what happens is uh, I write that story. Shrinker hates the story when I'm done with it. And tells me, ah, not wanting anything to do with it, and uh, you're an asshole. And I was like, I told you, weren't going to be happy necessarily. Why did he, and why did he hate it? Because he, he was a pathological like, liar, and you kind of exposed because him. Because I exposed, a liar. and I explained to him that I explained to all these guys at the beginning. Look, you may not be thrilled with the way I portray you, but it's not up to you. You want me to write the story? This is what go. I do. If not, go somewhere else. Get write your own story. You can do that. Right. And they're like, no, no, I read the story you wrote on so-and-so. It's great. I want you to do my story. And sometimes I say, you know, if I, I just say it the way I see it. It's a recurring thing in a lot of stories. Right. A lot of famous stories, when they're translated by, by storytellers like yourself, um, in a sp- specific light, there's a certain truth to it where it's, it's painted in from a different perspective, like your perspective, right? And a lot of people who... Um, you know, have famous stories. They they try to take them themselves and try to t- paint their own picture of their life or of their experiences, and it's never what it is from when no, someone from the outside. It's very difficult to see yourself for who you are. Yeah, but they the, the problem is they want to they want to change it to how they want it to be. They they want it to be how they like it, and it's never it's never right. accurate. And it's never as good. Right, right. You want to you always want to be smoother. You always yeah. want to be more charming. Yeah. You always want to. Have the quick comeback, and right. the truth is, was in the moment, did I did I say it back that fast? No, right. it took a minute. You know, I didn't quite would say it that smoothly, or didn't this this didn't happen quite like that. You, you know, you're always trying to, especially if you're telling your own story, you're trying to tweak it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, because you genuinely see that. I remember right. that was one of the things about one of the memoirs I had read. One of the girls said, you know, how it's a, the old joke is that I used to walk to school five miles uphill both ways. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, and she said. It, she had written a memoir about herself, and she said, I really did have to walk five miles to the bus stop and then back every day. She goes, it was ridiculous when I was a little kid. Well, that was – and then she had moved. Well, when she later in life, like 35, 36 years old, she had written a memoir and happened to be taking a trip with her husband and went by her childhood home to see where she had grown up. She goes, turns out the bus stop was a quarter of a mile away from my house. She goes, but – as an eight-year-old, it seemed like five miles away. <laughs> she said, so did I lie in the memoir? No. It's my memory. Right. Her memory is, is, is true to her. You know, they always say that, that, that argument, that whole, there's three versions of the truth. You know, yeah, your mine, version. yours, and then the truth. Right. But the, the truth is there is no truth. Right. Because there's only two people's versions. Exactly. So anyway, so I, I write, I end up, then I turn around after Shrinker's book, I end up writing a story about, from this guy, Doug Dodd. And Dodd comes to me and asks me if I'll write the story for him. He, uh, he's, you know, please, 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 you know. Uh, um, uh, and I'm like, you don't really have a story. It's a drug story, and I don't want to do any drug stories. And, mm. you know, everybody here has got a drug story. So it's right. like 80% of, like, like, just a ton of drug drug dealers uh, in the lows and mediums and just prison So were general. these guys, your stories getting passed around, and people were seeing yeah, them yeah, and reading so them? Yeah, so you print out, I print them out, of course, you know, uh, you print them out, and then I'd have four or five, and they'd be getting passed around. So I've constantly had guys coming to me, hey, I just read this story. Do you have any others? I'm like, well, yeah, I actually do. And mm-hmm. they go, can I read it? So guys I didn't even know were coming up to me, Cox, I just finished bailout. <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay. Uh, they're like, you got any other ones? I'm like, yeah, I do. Come by the unit, and I'll give you one. So I write this guy Doug Dodd's story, and I 
convince a guy to get Dodd. I end up saying, look, I'll write your story, but we only, if I can get you into a magazine. So I write a bunch of reporters and I, out of those reporters, they write back. And one of them ends up saying, look, man, I'll, I'll pitch it. Try and get you in a magazine. It's an interesting story because I'd already written the story. I'd written a synopsis of the story. Mm. Same synopsis as on my website. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, uh, I write it and I send it to this guy, Guy Lawson, because I remember Guy Lawson had written Devaroli's, and it was my in with Guy to say, hey, I met Devaroli. He gave me, you know, I, I know Devaroli from prison. By the way, can you take a look at this story? So I wrote to several guys, but Guy actually contacted me and said, look, I'm very interested. And so he ends up getting it in Rolling Stone magazine, and we were supposed to write the article together. Right, because it was it. He took it from the, from he took my piece, and basically, barely even rewrote it. Okay, and then mm -hmm. submitted it. And he said, "Hey, guess what? You're going to be in Rolling Stone magazine. It's going to be from Guy Lawson and you know Matt Cox and Doug Dodd." And I was like, "That's awesome." Well, wow. just before, just before it comes to press, he writes me, he emails me, and says that uh, the editor at Rolling Stone doesn't want my name on the article or Dodd's, just his. Hmm. I come to find out later after I got out of prison and talked to him, that wasn't true. So uh, he, yeah. He just used the data as an excuse. As an excuse. Okay. And then he turns around and he sells the, he options the film rights to it. And he gave Dodd a half of that. And then I get a portion of what Dodd gets. So we have it. So I get a piece of that option. It's been optioned several times. Um, who's supposed to do that? Is it Todd? Not Todd Phillips. Is it Todd Phillips supposed to do that? What was that story? It's called um, Oxy Rush, but I ended up getting a book. Oxy Rush. Yeah, on the on the website, it's Oxy Rush. That's what I named it. In Rolling Stone, it was called The Dukes of Oxy, and then I ended up getting a book deal for Dodd, and I'd written it as a memoir. And so the book deal that we got a book deal with Skyhorse Publishing. I mean, it was in it was in Barnes and Nobles, and you know, all the bookstores. Uh, so I got a, we got an advance. We got the you know, it was a it was a book. Okay. So. We, I ended up getting a book deal. I wrote a whole book for him, and it was called Generation Oxy. It's great. It's a, it's, right. It, and it is a great book. Dodd's same thing. One of those guys that when I started writing about him, he didn't like the way he was portrayed. He's like, you said that I you know, grew up in a trailer park. And I said, no, I didn't. And first of all, I said, you, I said most of your stories have the, there's trailers. Makes me sound like I'm white trash. And I'm like, I mean, what, what am I supposed to say? I mean, you're in Hudson, Florida. It's a bunch of white guys and growing up in trailers your best friend that you said was had a bunch of money and was rich yeah he lives in a trailer so like, yeah but it was a sweet double wide <laughs> only white trash would say that so anyway they're all driving you know they're driving pickup trucks that's I mean, hilarious so anyway he's uh so once again he wasn't happy with the story necessarily either so a lot of these guys aren't happy with me but, uh, but ultimately, it, was, it is a great story. So, and he, he was, at the end, he was very happy with the book. So, but there were a few times when he was like, even like, oh, I said this, I said that. So, um, I remember one of the chapters I called Upper Class White Trash. High Class White no, Trash. No, uh, Upper Class upper White class Trash. Upper Class White Trash. <laughs> and uh, he was furious. Somebody used to call me that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see. I have a problem with that. You know, uh, I don't. I don't. That's, people not, that's so, not that much of an insult. People are so in, in, so sensitive. Yeah, they are. So, what ends up happening is, I write that one. Then I end up writing another story. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I wrote a story called God. What was it? I wrote one called. I mean, it just goes on and on. I mean, I wrote. I wrote a story called you know Bent, 
is about a credit card kid, which is probably the best story I have, by the oh, way. Oh, okay. Probably one of the best, not the, probably one of the best stories I have. Bent is about a kid that grew up homeless on the streets of Miami ends up being this, one of the most prolific counter, credit card counterfeiters in ever. I mean, it's, it's a total catch me if you can story. If you read it, wow. just highlight it and just push speak. So okay. I really ought to do an audio of just read them all. You should. I should, but you know what? I don't have, I, 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 I have so little time. So I'm going to do we it. Got, we're going to do that. We're going to, we got to record them all and we got to, we got to post them on somewhere youtube that would, channel that something. would be great because we got a youtube long. channel already we're just gonna we're gonna record them all and we're gonna post them on youtube do you know channel. That i hope I, you do it i keep getting things that say so and so subscribe to your channel yeah, yeah. Do, well I don't, you made a channel right and you left a couple comments on the video on the first podcast right so they're seeing your username in the comments they're clicking on you and subscribing to you but i don't have any content right but they're still subscribing to you just because that's how youtube works you don't have to there's channels that have no videos that have thousands of subscribers <laughs> that's crazy so yeah youtube's a weird place man so uh so anyway uh, but uh, they should go on there if they see your channel and subscribe because there will be content on there in initially the i thought well initially i thought they were subscribing to you oh and then okay. after i started because i saw so you know so and so just subscribed to i was like okay and then eventually i read it i was like i got like three of these that today and i'm like this is me <laughs> So, because I was thinking, I need to tell Danny, hey, people are subscribing to your thing. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, so I write that one. I write the credit card kid one. What a, just what a great kid. A, a great story. Yeah. He's not a kid anymore. He's like 30 now. But just amazing. Amazing. He's 30 guy. now? Yeah, he's like 30 something. So, 30 years old now. I mean, just, if you read it, you just, it's just, it's one of those things where you read it and you go, that cannot be possible. And the whole thing is, the whole time I'm writing his story, by the way, the whole time I'm writing a story, he would say stuff, and I'd think, there's, there's no way. Right. There's no way. He, you know, listen, the average cre- counterfeiter, when they sell cards on, like, a credit card forum, let's say I'm a credit card counterfeiter, and you're in Germany or something, you order credit cards from me, fake, you know, um, counterfeit credit cards. Yeah. You order a bunch of them, blanks. Okay. You don't order, but maybe, you, these guys have minimum orders of, like, 20 or 10. Because people want to order like three. Mm-hmm. It's not worth making three. It's only $30. You know? So they're like, no, you got to order at least 10. You got to order at least whatever the amount is. He's selling hundreds at a time. He's selling them to Russian, uh, to uh, the Russians and, and Russian, some guy running a carding outfits out throughout Europe that work for the Russians. So he's selling 1,000. He's selling 500. He's selling huge amounts. And I remember thinking at one point, bullshit. It's no way. Then I get his transcripts, and he was caught with like 400 cards. Jesus. You're in sending 400 cards to one place, 400 cards. Or was it 300? I'd have to look at it for, to be sure, but right. it doesn't matter. Right. 300 is outrageous. Right. The average guy gets, t- they're like 20. So the numbers that he was giving me were always verified. For instance, how do you verify that somebody was homeless? He says he was homeless. How do I know you're homeless? I don't know that. Sure enough, I, I mean, I, and first of all, I can't get your juvenile record. They, mm. that absolutely, Freedom of Information won't allow that. So I, while I was sending out Freedom of Information Act to verify other arrests and things that had happened throughout his life, I end up getting a warrant for him, and attached to the warrant is another warrant from when he was a missing juvenile and he was homeless, and it, he, had been, he had absconded or escaped from the Bridges, which is a homeless facility for homeless teens, and it says he's a ju- homeless juvenile. I mean, so I, 
he's homeless. He said he was homeless. It's perfectly is verified. I can verify now. I had like two or three pieces of paper that list him as homeless. Right. As when he was like fifteen and sixteen years old. Right. Still ended up getting his high school diploma, which I always thought find that amazing. So he's just got. It's just literally. I'm all as I'm getting these documents. It's it's just phenomenal the whole story. And you're getting. I'm getting indictments, and I can see this is him on the indictment. Here's another. He's this is another one. He's indicted here's the you know you can you get all this stuff and you get this the freedom of information act what's so funny about getting it in is that technically you're not allowed to have other inmates material but because the co's and the sis which runs like the internal security they knew what i was doing they would every once in a while they'd catch something coming through freedom of coming through the uh coming through the mail room and they'd call me into sis and they would say uh, and they would go, hey, Cox, we got an indictment on so-and-so, and then we also have this one. This is a police report, and they go, what's going on? And I go, I'm writing a story. They go, well, what's the story? And I go, okay, listen, the kid was grew up homeless on the streets of my – and I tell them real quick, boom, 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 boom. They'd sit there, and they'd go, that's a good fucking story. Bro. <laughs> okay, he's okay with you having this? I'm like, do I need to call him? I'm like, no, man, he knows I'm – okay, here. I mean, it was that they were that cool with me. Wow. It was great. I would every once in a while I'd go and knock on the door after something was supposed to show up two weeks earlier. I'd knock on the door and I'd go, "Hey, do you have any mail for me?" And they'd be like, "Hold on, Coxie, I think we do have something." Yeah, this and they get and they, a sealed package and give it to me. They go, "Hey, wait a minute, do I need to look at that?" I go, "No, it's just an indictment for a guy. That's no big deal." And they're like, "Okay, cool." Wow, I mean, it was it was really hilarious. Wow, I got called in one time because a homicide detective had called because I'd ordered a bunch of uh, I'd ordered a bunch of documents. For two witnesses from a guy, another guy's story I wrote called Indefensible, where two of his witnesses get, they die of mysterious circumstances. They die of overdoses. They die, end up dying of overdoses. They live about a mile or two from the, from the DEA agent who gets indicted also and ends up killing himself in the middle of his own case. The same agent that ended up getting my buddy indicted. So his two main witnesses die mysteriously just before the trial. And he ends up going to trial, doesn't have his witnesses. And the only real and, – and the guy that got him indicted is this DEA agent. So he, my buddy ends up getting 20 years. And then the DEA agent ends up getting indicted himself for lying in this guy – my buddy's case who's now in jail. I mean it's just – I know that, that I didn't – And I the didn't, DEA, DEA agent ended up killing himself? Second day of trial. St- goes home that night, sticks a gun in his, in his mouth, blows his brains out. That's what, you and know, I'm sure the DEA agent was responsible for the witnesses dying. That, I mean, I you know I, I don't know that. You don't know that, but I don't know that. But let me, they, they both died of the same chemical compound yeah. that killed both of them. They were both uh, witnesses. They were both, you know, one of them is a CI who's going to get on the stand and say this guy had nothing to do with it. Right. The other one is a guy who's going to get on the stand and say I'm the one that owned the place. I'm the one opened it. This guy lives in California. He doesn't live in Louisiana. He had nothing to do with the running of the com- of the company. Wow. Instead, my guy goes and he basically is the guy that looks like he's running the whole thing. So the point is, is uh, so I wrote that story. So once again, I called in. They're like, we got, I, got a D, I, got a, I got a homicide detective from Louisiana calling me. Are you ordering documents from a dead DEA agent that committed suicide? I'm like, hey, that's Freedom of Information Act. I, I need that. And I'm sitting there arguing with them. And they're like, well, Cox, I mean, it's just, you got, you're ordering stuff on dead people. People are killing themselves. And I'm like. And then it's Freedom of Information Act. I, I need it. So you know that, that's one of the things that was funny on the podcast. Like I was reading some of the comments, 
And some of these guys are like, I don't believe what he's saying. And I wouldn't like, believe this guy's DNA results. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, I'm like, okay, there's evidence. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, I don't have to make it up. I'm sorry that you work at Walmart. Yeah, people and, are people are lazy. They just you know wanna, what I'm saying? And that the comments are just happened. like the comment section. I think I told you this. The comment it's section is just like yeah. road rage. It's equivalent to road rage. Somebody's in their car. They're pissed off about something. They're mad at their, how their day went, and you fucking cut them off. They're gonna scream, fucking flick you off, fuck you. Right. But as soon as you guys are, if you guys were face to face in that situation, yeah. that would never happen. But, you know, it's like when I said the whole, I have a degree in fine arts. I must have said it a bunch because people started making these comments like, yeah. oh, what is he? And they were mocking me. Mm. And I went through and I was like, one guy was like, oh, he went on and on. I said, hey, listen, man, I, I guess I said it a lot, and I'm sorry, my bad. I didn't realize that. <laughs> sorry, he dude. came back and said. <laughs> He comes back and says, hey, bro, no, it was all jokes, man. You're awesome. You're great. And I'm like. <laughs> yeah, they're just trying to get uh, some likes. Yeah, or try, yeah, trying to yeah, get a rise out of something. Anyway. Yeah. Some of them are really funny. They, yeah, some of them were pretty funny. So <laughs> the one guy said he'd take a shot every time he says he's got a degree Every time arts. he said you got to find arts. And then he yeah. says, uh, he's, one guy said, uh, I've already got alcohol poisoning. I'm only 10, <laughs> I'm only 10 minutes in. So I love it. Okay, so. I end up writing the, um, writing these stories, right? I mean, I write one cash and coke. I write cash logistics. I yeah. write pain. I write so I'm writing these synopses, and I'm also writing books. Okay. And guys are coming to me left and right with their stories. How deep are you into your sentence right now? Oh God, um, I was how deep was I? 2000. This started. It started in 2012, 13. But here's the thing. At the same time, I meet a guy named Frank Amadeo. Frank, you've heard it because I, I think I mentioned his story. He's the guy who is, he was a lawyer. He's disbarred. He is a rapid cycling bipolar with features of schizophrenia. And he has lost his rights. He has an actual guardian. Uh, he stole $180 million from the federal government and was using it to try and take over the world. I mean, literally... How did he steal? Do you understand? He thinks God's talking to him, and he thinks God has, he thinks he's preordained to be emperor of the world, and he will have a serious conversation with you about it. And he knows how insane it sounds, and it's the most amazing thing you've ever talked about. I'm, the whole time I was locked up, twelve and a half years. I never met anybody, never met a criminal that was literally a Bond villain. He's a Bond villain. He is a James Bond villain. He wants to take over the world because he's been preordained by God to be emperor of the world. And what's the title of that disorder? And he's, he's not a drooling idiot. He's a fucking lawyer. He's, cra- he's, he's, he's crazy, but he's crazy brilliant. Oh, the name of that story is um, – uh, oh, It's Insanity. It's Insanity. It's Insanity. Okay. This is a guy who – there was a coup, there was an attempt that they, the, the, the Condoleezze the, uh, said in the Congo, the, the Congo – uh, government said that he backed a political coup or a coup to take over the Congo. He didn't. It, he says that's not what happened. <laughs> um, you know, keep in mind he's trying to buy airplanes. He's trying. He's got a. He owns a security company that is like a small Blackwater type security company. They're providing security in Afghanistan. He owns a company that d- builds satellite, uh, portable satellites for the government. He. He owns all these different companies, and he's built, really building up like an internal like little militia. And he's planning on taking over the Congo and then going throughout all of Africa. He told you all this? No, no. There's a there's – a, there, 
Matter of fact, there is a documentary on him on YouTube called Nine Days in the Congo. Okay. And it talks about how he had sent these guys to Congo, and they end up getting uh, – the Congolese end up kidnapping them. And they say they were trying to ta- – to, it was a military takeover. It was like a <clears> – <throat> they, they had guns and they had this, and he's saying that's not what was happening. I was just backing a political candidate. Uh, he had ex-Secret Service agents working for him, FBI, military guys. I mean – He's it's serious. Wow. He got 22 years. So anyway, I meet Frank. And I go to Frank and I say, Frank, and, you know, hey, he's like, oh, Matt, yeah, I've talked to you a few times. How are you doing? I'm like, good, good. Keep in mind, this guy thinks he's taking over the world. So you got to be you got to be tread lightly. Yeah. You never know what Frank's going to do. So he's bipolar. (laughs) So he's uh, how's it going? I said, well, look, you know, my buddy told me to talk to you. You know, I got 26 years, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I heard you had a big sentence." I'm like, "Right." I said, "Well, here's the thing. I did Dateline. I, this is, and I tell him what they told me. This is what the government told me. This is what my attorney told me." And he goes, "Well, your attorney didn't understand the law because the the uh, to get a sentence reduction or a Rule 35, you have to have arrests, or you can further the investigation, but it ha- it's, it has to do with a criminal matter. And doing a public service announcement isn't a part of that, right. or an interview isn't a part of that." I said, well, I don't have any arrests. This is what they told me to do. <clears throat> so, and he's like, yeah, well, she misunderstood the, the law. So we can file a 2255. I'm like, yeah, but you only have one year from your sentence to file a 2255. Mm. And he goes, well, yeah, unless there's new evidence. He said, so when, when was the last time, you know, so we start talking and he says, yeah, I think we can get around that. I think we can do something called equitable tolling, which every time they ask you to do something, it resets the one year. And he said, when was the last time? I said, well, I just did this ethics and fraud course, and it just came out, but they just told me they wouldn't give me a, sen- a sentence reduction. He goes, oh, okay, well, when, did it, when did you do that? I said, this time. And he goes, okay, well, we'll go with that date. So he, I'd already talked to a lawyer on the street, and the lawyer on the street said, there's nothing they could do. I was doomed. Uh, um, so, you know, it just... Uh, I had talked to uh, Ross Reback, which was my literary agent. He had contacted um, his sister. His sister said, there's just nothing he can do. Uh, he contacted another lawyer. He said, there's nothing he can do. But my crazy lawyer, Frank, says, yeah, I think I can get you a sentence reduction. And what Frank doesn't charge either, by the way. So what? I don't have anything to lose. Right. Fuck it. Yeah, let's well, go for it. What were you it. doing for him in exchange? Writing um, a story? No. Well, I did write his story, but uh-huh. not then. Okay. I didn't write it then. I wasn't even planning on writing it then. He just does the he does the paperwork for a ton of guys. He's got like 30, 40, 50. He's working like 50 people's cases at all times. <laughs> you understand? He has tr- he has guys that do nothing but type for him. He has guys that do – tr- he teaches the legal research class. The ACE – like I teach the real estate. He taught the legal research class. Wow. Which – so he's training – an army of drug dealers and sex offenders to do research on the on the legal computer and type up people's motions. He's got a small law really he's got a good size law firm inside the prison. So amazing. Wow. So he he takes all my stuff, he writes it all up, I send it in. Months later, government comes back and says, "Absolutely not." Yes, what Mr. Cox is saying is true, but he's time barred. Means it's been more than one year, and and the equity there is no there is no um, 
uh, equitable tolling. You know, there is no, no, it, it doesn't apply. So, okay, fine. So we go, then the judge comes back and says, okay, now, then, then we file a retort. Then they file a, a, a motion back. And then we're about to file another motion. And suddenly the government sends in a motion and says, Your Honor, we'd like for you to appoint a lawyer for Mr. Cox so that I could speak with, we, so we can discuss filing a Rule 35 for him. What a does that a mean? sentence reduction. Okay. So we're, we're willing to file a sentence reduction for you. Wow. But you understand, it's how much. Now it's how much. Right. And they're saying you have to drop your, your, your 2255, your motion. You have to drop this and we'll file something. So I don't really trust them. Of course not. They fly a lawyer down. Lawyer flies down. I meet her at Coleman, you know, that take me in the, visit, in the lawyer's room. And we sit down. I sit down with the attorney client room and I sit down with her. And she says, okay, I've read your motion. And she says, uh, you know, Matt, it's very well written, but you really don't have a chance. I mean, it's, you're going to lose the, the motion. And she said, I mean, it's just it's not going to work. And I went, okay. She said, um, but you did do a good job. I said, well, I didn't write that. And she goes, well, who wrote it? I said, Frank wrote it. And she goes, Frank, who? I go, Frank Amadeo. She goes, who's that? I said, he's a disbarred lawyer. She goes, you had a disbarred lawyer write your, write, do your, do is doing your legal work? She goes, in here? And I went, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, really, to be honest, I said, it's worse than that. I said, he's mentally incompetent. I said, he's lost his rights. I said, he has a guardian. I said, he, he thinks he's emperor of the world. And she goes, what? I said, yeah, no, no, he's mentally, he is, he's, he's got mental problems. He's, he's crazy. I said, I mean, I can say that because he's legitimately crazy. I've got doctors that say he's crazy. Uh, and she's like, and that's who did your legal work? And I go, well, yeah, because all the sane lawyers on the street said I didn't have a chance. She goes, Matt, you don't have a chance. I go, and yet they appointed you. No. I said, and yet they're already saying they're willing to file a reduction for me. And you're here. So I said, who's crazy? I said, you wouldn't have filed it. Nobody else would. Right. And she goes, okay, well, they're saying that they'll, they're only going to give you one level. That's it. Mm-hmm. She goes, but they will bring you back in front of the court and let you argue for more. And I went, I said, okay, I'll go with that. Because that's what Frank had told me. Look, just whatever they offer you, at, tell them you want to go back in front of the judge. So I said, I'll do that. So I go to Frank. I explained it to Frank. Frank says, go back, argue. So we go back. We argue in front of the judge. Mr. Cox did this. Mr. Cox did this. Mr. Cox did that. Then the judge that we were asking for like, we were asking for like nine levels off, which would have been like immediate release almost. Basically, oh it would been immediately released. Wow! And I'd only I'd already done, I'd already done like seven or eight years at this point. Well, this was two thousand and thirteen, so I'd done, I'd done six six years. Okay. No, seven. I wait. I'd done seven years. So I go back in front of the judge, and the judge goes, okay. And the, the, the government says, Your Honor, we want you to give him one level. That's 40 months off his sentence. And I'm, we're saying, we want immediate release. Mm-hmm. And the judge goes, okay, okay, well, I've listened to the government. I've listened to you. And he said to, to the government, he said, what Mr. Cox has done, with all these public service announcements, he said, what you're asking for one level isn't nearly enough. And I'm thinking, Yeah. He goes, Mr. Cox, he said, you're asking for nine levels, which would almost be immediate release. He said, that was never going to happen. <laughs> I remember being like, oh, my God. And he goes, I thought about it. I'm giving you three levels. Wow. Three levels was seven years. 
Holy Keep in mind, shit. every level gets smaller and smaller as you go. So that 40, the next level would have been like uh, 37. Okay. The next level would have been, you know, it keeps dropping out. So it ended up being like seven years. That's huge. Which was a big deal. But keep in mind, with that seven years, it recalculates your gain time, takes me from my outdate, takes my outdate down to like, is it too much time? No. Oh, shit. No, just my phone's just going off. Oh, okay. Um, so, sorry. Uh, so what happens is I get seven years off. I go back. Um, once again, when I was in front of the judge and I had talked, by the way, crying like a baby, I mean, just pathetic crying. It's just, it was just the worst, bro. So, did you, um, that, on, you did that on purpose? No, not, oh, no, okay. I just got so fucking emotional because your whole life's on the line. Right. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. Hor- and I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm kind of a pussy. Okay. So I just, it. you know, it's, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's just such an emotional situation. So, you know, it, I go back to, to Coleman. So instead of my outdate 2030, now it's like it's like 2024, low 24, high 23. Basically, it's 24. Okay. So it's because they recalculate your, you get your gain time. So mm-hmm. you don't really get it seven years off because you remember you get your chunk off to begin with. So now you're not doing as much time, so you get less gain time. So it's, it's really not seven years. It ends up being like six years. I got so it. So instead of 23 – my outdate being 2023 is going to be like 2024. So the point is, is now it's like, fuck. I mean, it's still, it's, it's, I've got like nine more years to go right, or something. Right. You know, it's ridiculous. And I'm, so I get there and I remember I went to Frank and I said, Hey Frank, I said, he goes, he goes, I heard you got seven years off. I said, yeah. I said, uh, and I appreciate it, man. I said, uh, because we were hoping for half, you know? And I said, but I mean, fuck, I got like eight, nine years to go. And he looked at me and he goes, how much time did he have by the way? You remember? Oh, Frank, 22 years. 22. Wow. Yeah. So okay. Frank looked at me and he goes, I said, yeah, I said, it's still a lot. Of, I got like eight, nine years left to go. And he goes like this. He goes, we're going to have to eat this elephant one spoonful at a time. Hmm. And I just remember fucking going, fuck. He said, you sh- we'll figure something out else out. We'll, we're going to get this taken care of. Don't you worry. And I was like, okay. Um, but, you know, it was much more doable. Oh, yeah. You know? So, so I'm still writing stories. Mm-hmm. I'm still corresponding with a bunch of, uh, uh, with reporters. Uh, and, uh, so 2000 and this five, like, like this was basically now 2014. So 2014 comes along, 2014 comes along and, uh, and I'm writing all these stories and my mom's coming to see me. And, you know, now I'm just thinking, okay, well, I've got, I got like nine years left. I think I had like, yeah, I had like, yeah, I had like nine years left. So eight or nine years. I think I always said like eight because I was going to take the drug program. You get a year off for the drug program. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <clears throat> so, you know, like a one day I'm sitting there and now keep in mind too, them cutting my sentence is unheard of. For somebody that did not have any arrests, so keep in mind, people don't right. understand. Right? People, so you did, yeah. Right. So you didn't flip on anybody that led to an arrest. That led to an arrest. Oh, okay. trust me, I tried. You to tried flip, to. Tried to. Right. So you know, and that you know, and there are people you know. Oh, he's a rat. He's this. Fuck you. You do the time. You know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? I mean, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So the point is, is is that so that was just unheard of. 
And that's like Frank Abagnale stuff, you know, catch me if you can. He cooperates with the FBI. They get him out of prison. But, you know, if you've ever read the book, which I read both of his books, uh, one was Catch Me If You Can. The second one was The Art of the Steel. Well, guess what? They didn't get him out of jail. He did all of his time. You know, in the movie, you've seen the movie Catch oh, Me If You Can. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember how at the end Tom Hanks talks to him and they get him out of jail to come help him? Yep. That's not what happened. He actually does all of his time. He's actually turned down for parole the first time. Really? He does all of his time. He gets out. He's on probation. He ends up eventually working with the FBI periodically, really just teaches classes at Quantico. Okay. And he and he teaches banks, and, does, and then eventually he opens up his own secure doc, document company where he makes secure documents. Mm. He makes, like, tickets that are hard to— uh, uh, hard to counterfeit, you know, for like the Super Bowl stuff right. like that. Right. So, so I mean, the, you know, what I'm saying. So people are like, oh yeah, yeah, like Frank. So that's what happened, like like Frank Abagnale. Yeah. No, not like Frank Abagnale because it didn't really happen with Frank Abagnale. Okay. But I right. But I actually got my sentence reduced for for these things and for writing the ethics fraud course. So now I'm sitting here. So I'm, I'm still writing the stories and I'm thinking, okay, well, fuck it. I mean, I'm going to have a bunch of books when I get out and a bunch of stories and maybe I can do something, you know, I start kind of having a game plan and okay, well, if I write so many stories and maybe if I can get a film agent, I could option some of these stories. And there was a guy named Jeff, Jeff, uh, Joshua Beerman who, uh, had come out with a, a website called Epic and he, he wrote the story that became the movie Argo. Okay. For about the uh, hostages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote a story called The Great Escape, which was in Wired, and it got bought by. It was actually bought by Matt Damon. Then it turned into Brad Pitt. Then Brad Pitt sold it to, um, to um, what's the guy's name that ended up was in the movie? Um, Brian Cranston. Brian Cranston. No, no, the guy that was in the movie was uh, in Argo. Argo was it Brian Cranston in Argo? I don't know who he was. The lead role of Argo, the guy for Breaking Bad. No, no, no. I'm talking about Argo. Argo. Oh, you're, he was in it, but he was like the CIA director. He's right. not the main guy. The main guy's Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Okay. Oh, ben yeah, Affleck. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. He ends up buying it and getting it produced. So, but I'm saying Beerman had come up with the concept <clears> that <throat> I'm going to start writing stories. I'm just going to stick them on a fucking website and let people bid on them. Right. And I'll option them that way. Yeah. So I thought that's what I could do. I could get an, uh, I could get a website going. I could put them on the website. Maybe if I get somebody on the street to help me, you know, so I'm trying to figure out something I can do from in prison. Cause the one thing you can do in prison, you're not allowed to run a business, but you are allowed to write books and articles and sell them piecemeal. You can't work for uh, I can't work for the New York times on a W two, but I can write articles and, and, and sell them and, and money? sell them. As an independent well, no, no. contractor? And, 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 right. You could be an independent contractor for the New York Times or for Rolling Stone. Okay. Or for, but you can't work on a W-2. Right. Then Got you're it. an employee. Yep. So I thought, I can start doing that. And it turns out, and then um, Sean Woods ends up reaching out to me from Rolling Stone and asked me to start sending him stories, story ideas. Uh, other guys, other reporters start reaching out to me. And, you know, so things are going good, right? So things are all right. So, and I'm writing books. And this guy comes on the compound by the name of uh, uh, Ron Wilson. Ron Wilson was like 66, 67 years old. He comes on and he's a, he is a, a gruff old guy, pissed off, irritable. Um, and he's, he is from South Carolina. He had run a Ponzi scheme for, I want to say, 10 to 15 years. Okay. Where he stole 
57 million dollars. He actually said he stole over a hundred million or something, but he had paid out so much. So it ended up being a 57 million dollar Ponzi scheme. Wow. Where the bulk of the money that he had taken is from people for their retirement funds. So you're giving him your money thinking he's investing it in silver, mm-hmm. and you think that you've been giving him 20,000 every year for 10 years, and you think you've got $3 million, but the truth is you don't have nothing. So your whole retirement is gone. And you're 67. You're about to retire. He's done this for $57 million. He's got, forget how many victims, 100 and some odd, 1,000 victims or something, 900 victims. I forget what the dollar amount was. And so for some reason, he didn't talk to anybody. Somebody came up to him. You know, it's a whole click thing. There's the white guys, the black guys, the Hispanic guys, that sort of thing. So and there's a lot of sex offenders, right? So one of this, the white guys, like the solid white guys, don't want to talk to, you know, nobody wants to deal with the sex offenders. And a lot of sex offenders will come in and they'll say they're here for fraud. For some reason, they think they could get away with that. So, but you get how does that? How do they get exposed for? How do they get caught lying? Very quickly, you get caught because for one thing, one thing would happen is this guy Kenny King would say, "Cox, come here," and I'd go, "Ah, oh, Christ, what?" Kenny goes, "This fucking see this white guy over here," and I go, "Yeah, Kenny," and he go, "He says he's here for fraud. Go talk to him." I go, "What the fuck, Kenny? I don't want to go talk to the fucking guy. He says he's here for fraud. He he, he looks like it. You know what they call sex offenders in prison? They call them either pedophile. No, they call them chomos for child molester, or they call them mos." So they go, he looks like a fucking chomo to me. And I'd be like, Damn. I don't give a fuck if he's a chomo. What, what, bro, just don't talk to him. Go, I don't want him sitting in the TV room with us. See, they've got the white TV room, the black TV room, the Hispanic TV room. Okay. He's like, I don't want him in that room if he's a sex offender. Right. And he goes, go talk to him. See if he's in. And I'm like, fuck. So I go over and I go, hey, man, what's up? My name's Matt. I said, I'm here for fraud, too. I heard you're here for fraud. And the guy would be like, oh, yeah, I'm here for fraud, too. I go, okay, what kind of fraud? Yep, that's all you need. <laughs> yeah, I go, what kind of fraud? And they go, I remember this is exact a conversation I had a guy with a guy one time. He goes, um, it was credit card fraud. And I went, credit card fraud? I said, okay, how much time did you get? He goes, um, I, got, I got three years. Three years is like the minimum. It's like a minimum mandatory for sex offenders. The most you can get, but minimums you can pretty much get is three years. And he goes, I got three years. I went, oh, okay, so, so what were you doing? He said, it was credit card fraud. I said, so you were, were you carding? Were you counterfeiting cards? No, I was I was doing credit card fraud. I said, yeah, I understand, but what were you doing? Were you getting blanks? Were you getting fulls? Were you buying them off of a off of a a, a forum? Where were you getting the cards? Right. Well, I I was I was taking little bits of money out of m- multiple people's cards, and that's why I got away with it for so long. That's why I got so much time. So much time, you got three years. And I was like, that's not a lot of time. And I went. So how were you getting the money out of the cards? I don't understand what, what you were doing. He's yeah. like, and he looks at me and goes, um, oh, it's, it's, it's not a, this isn't a learning experience. And I went, oh. It's total bullshit. Okay. And I looked over. I remember Kenny was sitting there. I looked at Kenny and I go, he's a chomo. <laughs> and I was just walked off. And, and, and I remember Kenny goes, he goes, how did you, Kenny, Kenny goes, uh, he goes, how can you be so sure? I said, because I said the bulk of fraud guys are narcissistic and are arrogant they can't wait to brag to you right. about their crime i don't know if you noticed this i know no, that, i, I know in the comments in the comment section for sure <laughs> this guy's bragging he's you're piece right. of shit yeah piece of, <laughs> you're right i i brag i come off arrogant i and, and absolutely and i am you know it's not that i don't know that i what i've done is wrong right but 
it's that I, I get excited about it. I, you know, you, I can't wait to tell everybody, Hey, look how smart I look what I figured out. You know, it's, and it's fucking obnoxious, but I've never met a, a fraud guy that doesn't do it. He didn't do it. And that's the one thing they couldn't fake. You might, even if he had his story down and he knew what he was doing. Right. His character was his off. His character's off. Mm-hmm. So, sure enough, he ended up uh, being a, a sex offender. And he had, I forget, he's downloading child porn or something. Jesus. So, you know, it's just, a, no, it's just, there's so many weirdos. So, anyway, what ends up happening is, so Kenny sees me and Kenny goes, hey, Cox, this guy just got here. They see that old guy right there? And I'm like, yeah. This and he is goes, the Ponzi scheme guy. This is the Ponzi scheme guy, okay. Wilson. He goes, go talk to him. And I went, fuck you want to make sure he wasn't a chomo yeah he goes he looks like he might be a chomo i remember i looked at him and i mean i just looked at him and i went no he's here for fraud really oh you could just tell how arrogant (laughs) arrogant listen nobody whole time i was there nobody ever came up to me or met me for even a minute and said sex offender right ever you talk to me for two minutes you're like fucking cocky motherfucker yeah He's, he's, it ain't, he ain't a sex offender. He's fucking here for fraud or something. So, sure enough, I went, fuck. So, but, I, but I thought, you know, he is here for fraud. I could tell. I could just see it. So I walk over to him. And I said, hey. I said, uh, you just get here? And he's like, yeah. And he did this. Did one of these. I mean, blatant. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, fucking IRA like him. <laughs> and I was like, um, I said, some, they said you were here for fraud. I'm here for fraud too. He's like, mm-hmm. And I said, uh, and he goes, what'd you get? And I go, I, I don't know, like they said like 15 million or something. I said, but it was, I, my, my dollar loss is like $6 million. And he looked at me and he goes, yeah, I'm 57 million. Like you're He's shit. trying to outdo you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I remember thinking, I said, nice. That's a nice lick like that. And he goes, yeah, yeah, it was all right. And so now he's like, you know, he's like. Yeah, kindred spirits. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I said, what, what was it? What, what'd you do? And he goes, it was a Ponzi scream. I said, what was the conveyance? What was the, what'd you use? And he goes, silver. I said, nice. I said, so what? How? I don't. What were you trading the silver? Or and he goes, yeah, it was commodities. I was trading the the silver on the. You know, I would. I was. I was. I was, I was a silver dealer. And I was, So he starts explaining it. Now he loves me. Yeah, I'm interested, and we we're talking the same language. Yeah. How how do you how did you get your clients? How did you get? We start talking. It, it's over he loves me yeah nobody likes him why not well first of all he was cooperating against other people that had helped him okay <clears throat> um two how did anybody know that though well because they brought him back to court oh, okay so one day you just got sentenced and four months later you're on the pack out list sorry the list where they're packing your stuff up and you're moving so he gets moved two weeks later He's back. Mm-hmm. Where'd you go? I mean, it wasn't two weeks later. It was like three weeks later. Okay. He comes back. Mm-hmm. Where did you go for three weeks? You didn't go to another prison and get transferred. You went back to court and came back. Maybe it was a month or so. But he, he left and came back. Actually, the first time I think it was only like three or four weeks. Because I don't think he made it the first time. Like they, they changed the court date, so they sent him back. Mm. Then like two months go by, they do it again. Everybody's like, he's cooperating. Right. Fucking guys, he's, he's being moved back and forth. He's cooperating. So, you know, and, and so, one, they don't like him because he's a snitch. Even though, like I said, at Coleman, 50% of the population at Coleman's basically sex offenders. The other 50% of the population, 90% of them cooperated. Wow. So, 
you know, basically, like I said, out of every unit, out of 150 guys, you got about six guys that didn't cooperate. Okay. So you've got all these guys who took pleas. Well, you know who, who didn't cooperate? The guys that went to trial. Right. Very few people go to trial. So you went to trial, you lost, you, so you didn't cooperate. Mm-hmm. So you got the guys that took pleas, which all cooperated, sitting there saying, fucking snitch. No, you fucking snitch. You had a 25-year sentence. You're doing 15. Fuck you, cock. Shut up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. <clears throat> How did that happen? Right. I know what you're talking about. But see, you know, I, you, you're there long enough. Guys start talking about their case. And as they say stuff, oh, I, I got caught with fucking 10 bricks. And you're thinking, boop, that's a 25-year minimum mandatory. How's this guy doing 15? Right. They just slip up. Mm-hmm. So the point is, is, uh, is uh, they don't like him for all the wrong reasons. So, but he liked me. So we start walking around and hanging out and everything. And he was particularly, could be a particularly vicious person. He also had moments when he cried about his crimes, just in tears talking about them. Really? And other times when he would talk about doing something absolutely vicious we're talking about taking some woman who's got like multiple sclerosis and taking her last dollar and she thinks she's got a million dollars in the bank and she hands over three or four hundred thousand dollars and he just pisses it away. Wow. And it's like, fuck, she, she, she thought you ran it up to over a million dollars in a year. And what'd you do with it? He goes, I think I bought uh, this antique carriage. <laughs> and I went, what? He goes, yeah, he bought a lot of antiques. He goes, oh, it's beautiful. And I also, it's like, are you serious? And you know, like, fuck. I mean, she's got multiple sclerosis. She, he's like, so what? And you know what I'm saying? It was those kind of one minute. It was just, he was, he, was, he was a complicated guy. Yeah. So anyway, the point is that I'm walking around with him, and he keeps talking about how he actually literally dug up money. He had money buried in um in uh, ammunition cans, these big tin cans, he had money buried, cash and actual gold and bullion and and uh, and silver. So when he got caught, eventually, he goes and actually digs up the money and gives the Secret Service several million dollars. Secret Service always thought that there was money he had hidden, hmm. and they were arguing with him. And he was saying that's not true. They're like, out of fifty-seven million, you only put aside a couple million. Come on, bullshit. He's like, what are you talking about? I also had the money in the bank that you got. And they're like, no, nah, you didn't give us all the money. But they couldn't prove it. Mm-hmm. It's too complicated. There's too much cash involved and that sort of thing. Yeah. So we're walking. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm really worried about this." I said, ah, "Don't worry about it. They're gonna, you're gonna cooperate. They're gonna give you a sentence reduction." No, they're not. They're not. They're not. He said, "They're gonna, they're gonna fuck me." You watch. They're just like they, they fucked you. And you know, I'm like, "Well, well, then you'll follow 2255, and we'll have Frank do it, and you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah, just, yeah. you know, just keep doing what you're doing, and we'll take care. It'll be taken care of." So this goes on for months and months and months. He's going back and forth, and uh, so one day we're walking around. And uh, he says, um, you know, I've got fucking like eight years left. Best case, maybe nine. 2000, and this is 2016 at this point. No, 2000, yeah, 2015. Mm-hmm. I think it's 2015. I'd have to check. I Don't quote me on the record. So, um, so we're walking one day and he says, uh, I'm really worried about them. This the money there. I think they're gonna they're gonna find that money. They're gonna look for that money. I'm like, I, you don't even know if they're looking for it. Oh, they're no, they're they're gonna fuck me over. I I go, bro. I said, listen, what are you doing? If there's no money hidden, which he told me a hundred times, there's no money. I said, if there's no money hidden, they can't. They have to. They'd have to find the money. So you're good. I said, so don't worry about it. And he goes, I go, what are you worried about? And he goes, and he looks at me. He goes, can I trust you? And I go, I remember I specifically said, probably not. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, I did put away some money. 
And I went, really? I said, did you bury it? And he goes, no, I gave $150,000 to my wife, but now she's divorcing me. Oh, now we're getting shit. divorced. And his wife hates his guts because he was having an affair with this woman. Okay. She found out during the course of this whole thing, she finds out he's been having an affair for a couple of years. Mm. She, she hates his guts. He's like, she hates my guts so much, she'll probably turn the money in. I said, nah. I said, she's been hiding too long. She'll get in trouble at this point. And he goes, nah, I don't know. I don't know. And so I keep walking, and we're walking and walking. And then he says, he says, I said, so it's $150,000. I said, you know, we're not going to find it. He goes, well, problem is my brother – my brother's got some money too. He's got like 30 grand. And I went, okay, so your brother, he goes, well, if they start interviewing people, I said, well, they're not going to relax. You're going to be fine. And I remember walking around thinking, did he just tell me he's hidden Ponzi scheme money? Did he just fucking tell me that? And I remember thinking, is that enough for me to get a sentence reduction? For the first thing that you thought of. First thing I thought of. I mean, look, I'd love to tell you, you know, that you know oh i struggled with it and i did struggle with it i laid in bed for about a month or so telling myself it was probably a month laying in bed thinking that's not enough it's not that i had a, a problem cutting his throat no problem at all right i fuck don't want to do that you don't give a fuck about that guy he doesn't give a fuck about you he doesn't either. care about me i don't care about him <clears throat> i've seen too many fucking guys make the mistake of maybe not saying something like not telling on somebody and then like I'm like oh, oh I, I just took a plea and went to prison and did my 10 years remember like I told you about the one guy like tough guys who yeah yeah fuck that I'm not going to tell on nobody I'm not going to tell fuck that and they, they get 10 years and I'm not going to tell on my buddies and then their buddy gets caught I told you about the one guy who got like 12 years yeah. then then these other two guys get caught first thing they do is that he could have told on them he doesn't then they get caught for something else first thing they do is they tell on him he gets another 10 years he ends up doing 20 I mean, I've seen that happen several times. So well, they, they thought they had too much dignity. They had too much self-respect to snitch right. on somebody. I'm not going to snitch on them. Right. I'm, I'm not, not going to break the code. I'm, yeah, yeah. There is no code. And then those guys ended up turning up, flipping on of him. Of course. Not just that. The, you know how many times people will like not, they will not cooperate. They won't cooperate against someone. And then the moment they get sentenced and sent to prison, that person cuts them off. They don't send them money. They don't come see them. They don't do anything. So, and then they end up getting busted up six months later or a year later because they're still fucking selling drugs or yeah. doing something. And then they and they try and get you in trouble, or even if they don't, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that, and it telling you because you were a buddy of mine, and then you fucking abandoned me. Right. You know the the whole Omarta thing is that while I'm in prison, you'll help take care of me and my family. You'll you'll you know no, that's not what happens. It's a, it's a fucking lie. It's fiction. Right. So. Most white collar criminals and drug dealers and everybody across the board, ninety percent of them basically, roughly cooperate. So, sex offenders, like I said, typically don't have the option of. There's no one to cooperate There's no one with. To cooperate against. You're on a computer. You're looking up. Some guy's looking up porn, child porn. They they bust him. Right. Who's he going to cooperate against? It's right. just him exactly. alone in his room. Yep. So. The point is, is that, so I, I think to myself. Yeah, I had a, like I told you earlier, I had another guy on the podcast, mafia yeah. guy, who basically said that there's, there's no, there's no, nothing in the mafia. There, there's no code. That code is broken constantly in the mafia even. Right. Nobody does not snitch on somebody else. There's right. always guys that are rolling on other people, flipping on other people, and the, there's no code of honor. It's, it's broken constantly. Yeah, it, it's over. It's, it's, 
it's just foolish. And, and if you and, and that's how he ended up getting all his time, right? Yeah. And what's so funny is that people will sit there. You got some guy who works at fucking Walmart who's like, fuck that. I wouldn't say anything. You work at Walmart. You don't tell me how to be a fucking gangster. Okay. Right. You're not a fucking tough guy. You, exactly. you work at Walmart. Stop it. Right. So you've got th- those guys who sit there and, and they've watched, they watched a couple of movies and they think they know how it is, but you don't know shit till that fucking door locks and nobody will answer your calls. Somebody else is calling your kid dad or your dad, your, your kid's calling somebody else daddy and your girlfriend's not <laughs> answering the fucking phone and you're going, fuck. God, that's got to be the fucking worst oh, feeling. So it's the worst. The guys that have wives and shit and go to prison for five years, and they're on the phone on Saturday morning going, why didn't you fucking answer the phone? What, where the fuck were you? What? It's like, oh, Jesus, bro, what are you doing? They're just torturing themselves. It's horrible. It's horrible. So, you know, it, it's it's just that whole thing is just, it's it's a fucking myth. It's bullshit. And what's always funny is that if, you're, if your daughter or your son got raped or killed and the neighbors saw the person, You'd want them to cooperate. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, if so-and-so had stolen, if your parents had lost their life savings, and I knew where that money was, and I could help get your parents' life savings back, you want me to cooperate. Right. People just don't want you to cooperate when they're involved. Right, exactly. So so Wilson tells me this, and I'm like, ah, you're going to be fine, you're going to be he fine. He told you where the Ponzi scheme money was stashed. Yeah, some of the money. So he just told me a little bit. Or right? he gave it to individuals. He didn't actually have cash hidden. like in, Right, he in- gave some cash to his wife, who now hates his guts. That's right. a problem. And to his brother, who's like a devout Christian or something. Okay. So he's concerned. And I said, you're going to be fine. I'm sure it's no big deal. I'm sure it's no big deal. So I lay in bed thinking, fuck, should I say something? They didn't want to give me anything last time. The U.S. attorney was pissed they gave me seven years. She's not going to give me anything this time. So I thought, eh. So I go to Frank, and I mention it to Frank. Oh, you did? Yeah, I went to Frank and talked to Frank, and Frank went, I don't know. Maddie said, I'm not there. It's whatever it is, we're going to have to fight, whatever happens. So I end up having to call my attorney because I needed to get my transcripts because I was I was wanted to get my new transcripts to kind of put them in my memoir. You know, because I got my sentence reduced and I wanted to be able to pull some excerpts out of the transcripts, even though it had been a few years. Mm. So I call her up and I'm talking. She's everything going. What else? I I got it. I got you. I'm going to send them to you. Everything else going okay? And I was like, yeah, everything's fine. She goes, okay, anything happening? You want anything you want to talk about? And it was almost like she read my mind. I was like, yeah, yeah, there is. Listen, this guy. And I tell her and she goes, oh, my God, that sounds like a rule 35 to me. She goes, let me call the agent. What's his name? And I said, his name is like Tom Griffin or something, a secret service out of out of um, South Carolina. She goes, well, let me look it up. And while she was on the phone, she actually looked it up and was like, okay. oh, wow, this guy stole a bunch of money. Oh, yeah, yeah, hold on. Uh, let, let me check it out. Like two weeks later, I get – suddenly the, an officer comes to me and goes, Cox, you got to go to SIS. I'm like, okay. So I go to SIS, walk in. SIS officer goes, Cox, come in here. I go, what's up? He said, I don't know. I just told to put you on the phone with this guy. Pick up the phone, boom. He goes, hey, I got Cox here right now. Hold on. Hands him to me. I go, hi. He goes, this is Tom Griffin, Secret Service, you know, special agent with the Secret Service out of South Carolina. It's my understanding that you know where, where Wilson hid some money. And I'm like, yeah, fuck. I'm like, yeah, but. Straight to the fucking punch, huh? He's like, what's going on? He said, uh, uh, how much? I said, yeah, but it's not a lot of money. And it's, it's not what you think. It's not millions. He's, I don't care how much it is. I got 900 victims, blah, blah. I was like, okay, well. Not a lot of money. I said, but I want something from the government that says they're going to consider money. 
He goes, well, well, we're going to get, he goes, well, I'm going to get you. He said, don't worry. I'll make sure you're, you get cooperation for this and we'll, we're going to get your sentence reduced for this. So he I'll make sure you get, basically he said something like a, a rule 35 for this. I said, bro, you're, you're not in a position to, to offer that. I said, you and I both know. You already learned your lesson. You don't have authorization. And he, and he goes, I said, I need the U.S. attorney to say that they will consider the recovery of a substantial amount of money as substantial assistance and reduce my sentence. Because that's what Frank told me to say. Right. And he said it has to, they have to say – they have to agree that money will be considered. Because I didn't think it was enough money mm-hmm. that they would charge these people. So I'm thinking nobody's going to get charged. Right. They're just going to recoup the money. Because they go and they ask the wife for the money. We know you got 150000 She's going to give it to them. And they're not going to charge her. That's, that's the way I felt. Right. I thought – so I just – the recovery of just the money. So it was okay, okay, okay. So I end up – he sends me this letter saying this from the U.S. attorney. U.S. attorney sends me uh, – uh, sends it to him. He sends it to me. I get him on my email, and I'm emailing him, looking over my shoulder all the fucking time. <laughs> you know, what are you looking at? Jesus yeah. Christ. You know, it's, it's a horrible situation, you know. So uh, so I'm emailing this guy. He sends me a, a letter, and he sends my lawyer a letter. from the, And they say recovery of a substantial amount of money. We will consider substantial uh, uh, substantial assistance – for a for a sentence reduction, great. This, this is my U.S. attorney said this. My new one, my new my the new U.S. attorney. Um. So okay, so I I he starts asking me questions to ask Wilson. I ask Wilson this, I ask him that. Wilson's telling me, I'm like, hey, whatever happened with so and so? You told me, oh yeah, yeah, this. Okay, and I go back. I said, well, he said this. That guy's not involved, and you know, he's trying to get people who's roped in, people roped in. I'm like, there is nobody else. Right. It's Wilson and the other guys that you know about. Right. That right. he's cooperating with you against. Keep right. in mind, those two guys, two other guys, they end up like pleading guilty, so they're they're done. So they're now they're saying now they don't want to give him anything. He's very worried. Um. So. So he's thinking he's not going to get get anything anyway. So we're walking and walking, and uh, I'm working with these guys and trying to help them out. But the truth is, all I knew was about a little bit of money. Right. So they go ahead and they interview the wife. <clears throat> the wife comes in and says, "I don't have shit. I don't have nothing. I don't know what you're talking about." And she leaves. Really. The next day, she comes back and dumps like three hundred and fifty thousand dollars and says, "Boom!" in cash. Gold, silver. I mean, he said one fifty. So you didn't say one fifty. No, I said I told them one fifty. Oh. She turned over like three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Oh shit! And I was like, and so he comes to me. So the Secret Service sends me an an email saying, "Listen, Wilson's about to get some really bad news. I I don't want to be specific, but let me know what he says." So fucking Wilson comes up to me one day and he's like, "Cox, I gotta talk to you." And I went, "Yeah, what's up?" And he goes, they, they questioned my wife. Uh, she went in a couple days ago, and she didn't tell him anything. I said, oh, that's good. See, I told you. And he goes, no, no, no. She went back yesterday, and she turned in 300 and some odd thousand dollars in cash and another 50000 in jewelry wow. and gold. And I go, fuck, I thought you said it was like 120 or 150 And he goes, well, I didn't, I didn't really trust you. I went, okay, well, okay, well, I said, fuck. He goes, so what do you think that means for me? I go, he had no suspicion of you. No. I said, I think you're fucked. I said, you really fucked. That's a fucked up situation because now you've been lying. What did she say? He goes, oh, she said I gave her the money. And I went, fuck. He goes, I just, you know, I don't know what's going to happen now. He goes, they're supposed to interview my brother in a couple days. 
they interview for the brother. The brother walks in with his attorney, and they say, before he says anything, he'd like to turn over this $150,000. So we're like half a million dollars almost. Wow. It was not quite half a million, the total of them two. Now we're at half a million almost. So he tells me that. A couple days later, he finds that out, comes and tells me. <gasps> Fuck. So months go by. Nothing happens. Eventually, the wife gets indicted. The brother gets indicted. He gets reindicted. They scoop him up. And they take him away. That's it. Last you heard of him. Last I heard of him. Well, no, not last I heard about heard of him. Keep in mind, he goes back, and when they indict him, they give you your discovery. Who do you think's all over his discovery on his yeah, new case? Matt Cox. <laughs> it's nothing but me talking to these guys and emails. And wow. He pleads guilty. Now, initially, I was thinking, okay, well, I should get something for this. I didn't expect any of this, and I got a, a way more money. Recovered than I thought. Well, guess what? Wilson got six months added onto his sentence. That's it. That's it. His wife and brother got one got like a hundred community hours, and one got like three or six months probation, or maybe a year probation. So nothing. Virtually nothing happens to them. And what about you? And I'm I'm thinking, well, if nothing happened, then fuck. And I go back and I talk to the you to the um, agent. I call him on the phone, and he says, uh, "I said, so what's going to happen? Have you made a recommendation for me to get a reduction?" He said, "Yep, I sent it a couple days ago. I sent it to your U.S. attorney." I said, "Okay, great." He is, and I sent it to your attorney. I said, "Okay, great." So I, oh no, I sent not. He didn't send it to my attorney. He just sent the to the U.S. attorney. He said, "I told your attorney about it." I said, "Okay, great." Call my lawyer. My lawyer calls U.S. attorney. They're not calling her back. This goes on and on and on for months. Shit. We're talking about almost a year goes by. And that at that point, it was 2016. I go to Frank. Frank goes, did you keep all the emails? I said, I printed out every fucking email. I got everything. And we don't have a copy of what they recommended or what they the substantial, substantial assistant request. We don't mm-hmm. have a copy of that. Yeah. So I file a Freedom of Information Act to get it. And, uh, but we're not going to get it in time for the one year time bar. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming saying one year time bar, we were going to argue equitable tolling again. So we've put another 2255 in, put another 2255 in government comes back and says he's time barred. Jesus. And on top of that, they say, we don't know what he's talking about. What? They say, this is common. They go, oh we, your honor, God. we now, but they said, but now that we've heard about this, we'll look into it. But either way, Your Honor, he's time-barred. So now the judge has to rule on whether I'm time-barred or not. So then we send in the letter from the U.S. attorney where he says, I'll consider it, blah, 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 the name of the guy, everything. And we send in the arrest, the the newspaper articles, we send it to the judge. So the judge now knows he's lying. But the judge comes back and says, yeah, but I think I don't feel like I have jurisdiction because I think you are time-barred. However... You can appeal it, mm. and I'm going to waive your certificate. Off, your, there's a certificate that you have to file for and everything, so I'm waiving all that. You can directly appeal, so fine. Okay. We then go ahead and we appeal. So what the government does, our whole appeal is they didn't file anything for me. They promised, and they didn't, and I did everything I was supposed to do. More so, I need a sentence reduction. So the government comes forward, and they sent, they file for a one-level reduction, which would have been like, 
It's like 21 months. Right. Like nothing. Right. So they file for a one-level reduction. We get it, and Frank immediately has some guy type up a thing saying, we don't want the reduction. Freeze the reduction. We're asking for an evidentiary hearing. We want to go back and present all evidence in front of the judge. Please don't rule on this one level. We file that. The judge comes back and says, I'm not going to rule on the – but he now – keep in mind, he, because they filed the, that, it gives him jurisdiction. I'm over the time bar. So okay. no more time bar. They fucked up when they filed that. Now it's just a matter of how much am I going to get? Is it going to be 21 months or 23 months, whatever it was, or is it going to be however much? So in a, anyway, what, what ends up happening is they give me another lawyer. The okay. lawyer flies down. She comes. She sits down with me, and she says, I read your thing. She said, and I'd already talked to a couple other lawyers on the street, by the way, by this point, too. Told them about what happened last time. They said, yeah, that doesn't matter. You don't have a prayer. Mm-hmm. She comes down, same thing. Hey, listen. She goes, it's well written. You did a good job. I mean, you know, you're not a lawyer, but you did a good job. But you just don't have an argument here. And I said, well, I didn't write that. Frank did. She goes, Frank, are you Frank Amadeo? And I explained Frank Amadeo, disbarred lawyer, thinks right. he's going to take over the world, blah, blah, blah. She goes, you had a crazy person write your thing? I said, yeah. She goes, okay, well, you don't have a prayer. I said, and yet they, uh, they've already filed a reduction. They said no before. Mm. He filed the paperwork. He got me a reduction. She says, yeah, but you're going to lose at the, appeal, uh, at the appellate level. And I said, am I? Because I said, if they really believe that, and that was a guarantee, I said, why do they give me the reduction? Why do they assign you? And she goes, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, (laughs) I just can't imagine this. I said, look, you do understand they can't let me win. If I win, it becomes precedent. And everybody will will be filing. Right. It'll get around the time bar. And she's like. She's sitting there, and she says, I could probably get you two levels. Okay. I go, okay, well, Frank said that to tell you I want four levels. And she goes, Frank said. I go, yeah. She goes, the guy that, the emperor of the world. I said, the emperor. <laughs> and we, we used to call him the emperor, too, by the way. I go, That's yeah. awesome. And by the way, at this point, I'm actually writing a story. So when this is happening, I'm writing a story. I, I, I think I'd written a story. I was in the middle of writing a story. Okay. I was in the middle of writing a story. So... I mean, keep in mind, I've got FBI documents that say he's got these fucking Secret Service agents working for him. He's got he's got a hundred and some odd companies. He's I mean, it's just insane. This that's kind of stuff you get. Yeah. I mean, this is the judge talking about how he wants to take over the world. I mean, this is not bullshit. This right. is I got the fucking transcripts. U.S. Attorney talking about it. Wow. It's insane. I got I've got the uh, the doctors who are, who have interviewed him who are saying no, no, he's bipolar and he's got features of schizophrenia he really believes he hears voices and he does so i said no frank said four levels to, to tell you four levels she goes frank said the crazy guy I said yes frank said four levels she goes okay well i will see what i can do i said okay nice meeting you she flies back to atlanta talk to her whatever a month or two later she comes back she says look they'll do two levels i said no frank said four levels she says they're not going to do four levels i said eh, you go ahead i said you tell them I said, you tell them we want the evidentiary hearing, and I want – because now, now that it's open to an evidentiary hearing, I'm allowed to present evidence. I'm legally allowed to present evidence. Well, I said, I want to present evidence. I want to talk to the two Secret Service agents in Nashville. I want to talk to the four FBI agents on my case in Tampa. I want to talk to the U.S. attorney. I want to subpoena these people. I said, I want to all of my discovery in my original case and this case – I want all the discovery in the Wilson case. She goes, 
She goes, what do you want to do? Turn this into a circus? And I go, that's exactly what I want to do. We're turning it into a circus. I said, I'm going to drive this into the ground. You understand? I said, I'm going to make sure they spend as much money and it's as much of a pain in the ass as possible. I said, that's what I'm going to do. So I said, that's what you tell them. And she goes, oh, my God. So she goes back and we go back and forth, back and forth. They say no. They say, boom, okay, two years, two years, uh, two, 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 two levels, blah, blah, blah. Finally, she comes back. She goes, oh, my God, call me. I said, okay. I said, what's up? She goes, the government agreed to give you three levels. So I told them that to just go ahead and we're going to go ahead and have the evidentiary hearing. So they're going to, they're going to move you back. I go, no, 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 no. I'll take the three levels. She goes, what, what do you mean? You said four levels. You said you wouldn't take anything less than four levels. I said, no, no, no. I said, Frank said to tell you four levels. I, we were always good with three levels. Right. I just wanted you to argue for four. That way I knew I'd end up with three. Right, exactly. I'm happy with three. So do not move me. I do not want an evidentiary hearing. I do not want to go back to court. Keep me here and just file the paperwork. So they file the paperwork and boom, they give me three levels, which ends up being five years off my sentence. Wow. So now I've got seven and five. That's 12 years off my sentence plus the gain time. My sentence essentially is is like cut in half. Uh, With the gain time, it's it's literally – I should have done 23 years. You know, I got 12 years knocked off. I end up doing 12 and a half years because I got some some halfway house. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm still writing stories. Wow. So they immediately try, by the way. Now I've only got like a year and a half left. Two, maybe two years, maybe a year and a half left. Mm-hmm. So they want, let, probably about two years left. They want, they try and move me to a camp. Well, my mom comes to see me every two weeks. Mm-hmm. She lives in Tampa. She, the closest camp is like Miami or Pensacola. She can't come to every two weeks to see me in Pensacola. You know, she's, she's almost 90. At that point, she's like 88 years old. She, she's, so I can't get moved. So I immediately get myself placed into the drug program. I say, I got a drug problem. It's an issue. I need to go to the drug program. Pete? No, no, in Coleman. Oh, oh, okay. So I go to the drug program in Coleman, and that way they put a hold on you so they can't move you from the institution. So I get moved in the drug program. I have to pretend to be a drug addict for about four months and take all these classes. It's a nine-month course. Then they put what's called a management variable on you, and they keep you in the prison. So as soon as they put that on me, I drop out of the drug program. About three months go by, and they come back, and they go, hey, we're going to take that off you and ship you to a camp. I said, I thought it was good for a year. They go, typically it is, but we really need to move you to a camp. And I said, no, I can't. i got to go back to the drug program. Why? I said, I really have an issue. I really have a problem. I just realized it coming back here. And they go, okay, cock. So I go back to the drug program. <laughs> it is ridiculous. Oh. And so I, that's to keep me there. So I end up staying there, and then I go to the halfway house. I get to the halfway house. Uh, and so when I get to the halfway house, I'm immediately in the middle of this lawsuit. Uh, I Ended up publishing a book. Which lawsuit? Uh, the, the Warner Brothers? The Warner Brothers. War the Devaroli, War Dogs okay. lawsuit. Ended up talking to this crazy lawyer. I, I eventually, I called like 20 or 30 lawyers. None of them wanted to take the case because they all want money. Because the intellectual property uh, theft, is a it's a long, dragged out process. Yeah. And they don't take it on contingency. I finally get a lawyer that will take it on contingency. So uh, it was it was a... Uh, so I'm, I was in the halfway house. While I'm in the halfway house, I, I, my buddy Treon, who owns a gym, uh, 
Colta's 24-7 fitness. He, he owns a gym. He hires me while I'm in the halfway house. So I'm working for him. While I'm working for him, one day we, I get in, the, in his car, and he's like, and he goes, uh, he said, because I'm in real estate, you know, I was in real estate. He goes, you got to listen. Have you listened to this uh, concrete podcast? He, and he starts telling me about, he's, and he's listening to the podcast. Really? Yeah, in the Jeep. He's got like a Jeep. It's all jacked up. It's like, yeah, yeah. like 80 grand or something. And so I get in the thing. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we start, I start watching it and whatever. And he used to live in like Pebble Beach or Indian Rocks, whatever. Indian Rocks. Indian Rocks. He used yeah. to live there. I guess he had uh, seen Ben one time. Yeah, because we did a lot of real estate. That, that was the biggest thing on this channel was real estate right. series. So he ended up watching it at that point. And then he, so he was telling me about it. And he goes, you ought to contact this guy, Danny. And I go, why? I said, he's not, he's, I said, for real estate? And he goes, yeah. And I go, Trim, he's not going to talk to me about real estate. I just fucking did 12 and a half years for real estate and for mortgage fraud. They don't want to talk about that. That's a, that's a horrible idea. And he goes, right. yeah, but he said, well, what about the, the, the stories, the true crime stories? You could probably do some stuff with true crime or something. And I went, well, I want to try and do something. I'll call him. So yeah. that's, that's when I called you and said, hey, listen. I don't know. Cause I yeah. really, the email was kind of like, you sent me, really you sent know. me an email. It was a very, uh, it was a very persuasive email. Yeah, that was, was a like, very good email. You know, really sure what I, what, what I really want, but I wanted yeah. to talk to you. I'm not sure. So, so, uh, yeah. So yeah, got, you sent me an email. I called you when, uh, here we are. Yeah. Almost six months later, maybe around that. Um, I don't know how long it was. It's probably a six, About six months. months ago. I was probably two or three months in, into, I got there in January. Yeah. Probably a couple months in. Yep. Um, so, so, yeah, yeah I, remember, so I remember you're telling me that you would get out of the halfway house in July and that was going to, that was like two months away. So, okay. Yeah. So now I've got about to put out another, another book, um, which we're supposed to, you know, we, I've got the one book out, Devil Exposed. Devil Exposed yep. I just it, got that in the mail. I actually ordered it on Amazon and uh, I can't fucking highlight it and press speak, unfortunately, but uh, yeah, I'm going to have to read this one. Yeah. I just got it yesterday in the mail. Yeah, you got to read that one. I'm reading it for sure. So, yeah, so that's going to be the next podcast. Yeah, we got to do that. It, it's I'm telling you, it's amazing. It, it's it's really it's a, it's a plus. You know, you get it. You'll get a ton of these right wing. You'll get left. What's and the synopsis? Right. What's the what's the quick the elevator pitch for Devil Exposed? It's there's a guy in prison named Walter Rossini that was a admitted drug trafficker and he made methamphetamine and ice which you know ice is just a pure form of methamphetamine mm -hmm. he was a young kid 22 23 years old i mean they're making a ton of it this is like 20 years ago in, in la so in hollywood in, in in la i mean he's like partying with like aerosmith and you know they're these they, those these are the guys they're hanging out with and they're making ice and they're and uh tons of money anyway he ends up there's a ends up the short version is he ends up there's a couple dirty agents one of them's an informant who pretends to be an, an fbi agent so a couple of dirty fbi agents that they're paying off for information and eventually what happens is like i'm literally like like guys are getting arrested they're getting them out of it guys are getting indicted they're getting them out of it i mean he gets arrested. They they come in and they make a phone call. The cops let him out. I mean that it's that blatant. He's paying these guys. They it's like a couple million dollars. They end up <clears throat> paying these guys. They want there's a sealed indictment. They want to know everybody that's on it. He tells them. He call, boom next day. Here's who's on it. 
Wow. I mean, he's, you know, you've got the end. Guys are getting caught with nine pounds of ice. They get the whole thing quashed and cut loose. What happens is eventually it's convoluted, but basically the, the short version, a streamlined version is two, two informants end up getting murdered. And the, the two guys that commit the murders, initially when they get grabbed, they say that Rossini, told, Rossini is the one that murdered them. Then there's like four guys, four or five guys end up getting grabbed, and all four of them are saying Rossini said uh, Rossini murdered him. Well, then they start failing polygraph exams, and then they end up saying, "Okay, okay, I did kill him, I killed him, but Rossini helped move the body, and Rossini's the one that told us to do it." Yeah. So Rossini's saying that's not what happened. Well, later it comes out that after the murders. The FBI informant comes in and tells them if anything happens, you guys get caught. See, the FBI is the one that suggested that these two, that this guy, one of the guys needs to be killed because he's a, an informant. And he's going to cooperate. And he's going to cooperate against the two dirty F, the FBI agents. Oh, shit. Right. So if we get in trouble, you guys are all getting life sentences. So something's got to happen. Somebody needs to take care of him. So he ends up getting, uh, one of the guys ends up getting whacked because of that. Now, the, the government says they got whacked. They got killed because they were both informants. It's actually not true. But um, they both end up getting killed. It's because of the FBI and the FBI informant that told them to do it. Then when they get caught, they all say they, – they can't say the FBI is the one that did it. They say Rossini did it. Then when they say, okay, we, they fail the polygraph exams, okay, he didn't kill him. I did kill him, but he told me to, say, to, to kill him. They, they're looking for somebody to blame. They can't mm. say the FBI ordered it. Right. So what ends up happening is, is there's actually proof of a meeting where the FBI informant gets like seven or eight guys together, the same guys that all say Rossini did it, gets them all together and tells them that they all have to blame Rossini. Say he did it. Don't say we did it. There's actually proof that there was this meeting. Everybody, Nobody disagrees that there was a meeting. Okay. Uh, so they end up – Rossini ends up getting indicted. He ends up – he's supposed to get the death penalty. And what happens is the U.S. attorney at the time comes in and says, listen, I'm going to let you plead out to 40 years and you can cooperate against these other guys. Well, the U.S. attorney was Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller is the guy that's investigating the president of the United States, right? right. Well, it wasn't. Okay. He, uh, this was when he was U.S. attorney in San Francisco. So he says, I'm going to let you cooperate against these two dirty FBI agents, and I'm going to let you cooperate against the other guys. So we're going to give you 40 years, and you, know, you can get your sentence reduced. And remember I said there's only one time I've ever seen an ironclad, an actual agreement where they agree 100% to cut the guy's sentence? Yeah, in the beginning of the podcast. Robert Mueller is the one that gave that document to Walter Rossini. No fucking way. It's a, a matter of fact, I've got it on the website. Not my website. I've got it on another on a Devil Exposed. It's called DevilExposedExhibits.com. It's on the website, the actual document from Robert Mueller. So he gives it to him. He goes to Leavenworth, meets with him like three times in a row. Two days in a row? Three, day, three days in a row. Like, or th- three days total, I think. Two, mm-hmm. or, two or three days. So he meets with him, writes all these notes up and everything. He and another FBI agent. Then gives Rossini 40 – he's got the 40 years. During the course of this, Mueller realizes – Rossini didn't do it. That Rossini didn't order the documents. It's the dirty FBI agents. 
And he writes down dirty FBI. Like, I mean, the, the FBI agent writes dirty FBI agents, payoffs, 200000 100000 here, 50000 here, $1.5 million here. Well, he starts writing. It's all written down in their notes, right? Yeah. So what ends up happening is he says, I'm going to bring you back to the front of a grand jury. I'm going to, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Well, what happens is he ends up becoming, getting appointed to the FBI direct as an FBI director, right? Mm-hmm. He was a U.S. attorney then. Bush wins the election, makes him FBI director. He goes in front of Congress. He's now, Robert Mueller becomes the FBI director. Okay. The U.S. attorney that takes over the thing says he's not going to honor the agreement. He's not going to reduce his sentence. As a matter of fact, there is no agreement. So Rossini comes up with the paperwork and says, what about this? This is the agreement. And the judge goes, yeah, he's got an agreement. It's ironclad. You've got to reduce his sentence. From Mueller. Right got to reduce the sentence so they they go they have a thing they have a uh they have a court whatever proceeding yeah and they bring them back and they reduce the sentence and they reduce it by barely nothing a couple okay. of years then and they completely say they bullshit it this isn't what happened he's lying he's this he has no proof he has no this there were no dirty fbi agents it's all a lie it's not true he barely gets any time knocked off so finally he gets Mueller. He gets Mueller drags for like ten years. He drags. Uh, he can't go to court because because nine eleven happened. You know. Then there's the DC sniper. Then there's the anthrax. You know. He's always con- come out with these reasons why he can't be deposed. He can't show up at court. So it just drags on and on. Eventually, he has to go back in front of court. When he goes in front of the court, he says Mueller gets up and. Rossini and his lawyer think that Mueller was going to say, yes, they were dirty agents. Yes, we talked about it. Yes, yes, yes. Mueller gets on the stand and says, no, there's no, I don't recall any dirty agents. I don't remember any of that. They go, well, did he deny ordering the murders? No, as a matter of fact, he implicated himself. He admitted that he had took part in it. Wow. Holy shit, I got the fucking transcripts and everything. Well, what happens is, in the meantime, he says all this, gets off the stand. In the meantime, no, no, sorry. He says all this. By this point, Pete Rossini's lawyer has come up, has found the notes. He gets a hold of the real FBI notes and goes to Mueller and starts saying, are you saying that you never heard about dirty, uh, dirty agents? And he starts saying, on note 004, right here it says... Dirty FBI agents, payoff. And he's like, "Um, I don't recall. uh, uh, I'm not sure why it says that. What about here? Here it says that he denied ordering the murder. I do not. uh, It doesn't say he admitted. It says he denied. They start really hammering him. uh, The last part of the transcripts is nothing but at this present time, I do not recall uh, precisely what I was thinking at the time. I'm unsure. He's just complete bullshit. Anyway, it's so bad that the U.S. attorney at the time ends up – so they sentence, re-sentence Rossini again. They knock three, four years off again. Let's not give too much away. Okay. We're just okay. teasing them right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, it goes on and on. It's, 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 it's pretty egregious, and it's not like it's politically motivated because I'm not like a yeah. – I'm not a conservative or a liberal or anything. I don't care. It's just that there's this guy in prison, yeah. and I've got all this documentation, and it's proof that – it's just insane. It's insane. Wow. And when you see the documents, you have to understand the bulk of the documents are sealed. Okay. And this guy's in prison. So how? What can he do? It's it's a it, it's a great story. And I don't, it's like like I, I think I told you this before. It's not like I have, like I feel like, like Mueller's a scumbag or anything. Mm-hmm. I 
I feel like he he covered up something because he's politically motivated. Other than that, you know, this guy volunteered for for Vietnam. I mean, he's a patriot. He was the longest running FBI agent or right. FBI director. I mean, it's just this one thing. Yeah. You know, and it's just a fucked up situation. Damn. So that's brutal, dude. Thank you so right. much. That was incredible. All right, that awesome. was incredible. So um, are, we are going to do one. So wait, let me make it clear. If you're still watching this shit, which I guess it doesn't matter now, but if you haven't watched the first one, you have to watch. Oh yeah, the yeah. first podcast we did about how that, I got into that leads Indiana. into this podcast. Right. It's you have to. It's mandatory. There's there's no way you can watch. You could have watched this without watching the first one. If you haven't watched the first one, you have to go watch that now. And dude, it's just it's mind blowing. Just thank you for sharing these stories with uh, with us and with the listeners and and letting me letting me be the platform for it. Muller, the Muller story, Devil Exposed. Next, that book's already out, right? People can already purchase. Yeah, yeah, that. you can okay. buy that book. Okay, um, it's on uh, Amazon. Devil Exposed, and, and it's got and I've got all the exhibits on a website. Okay, it's like fucking. How many hundreds and hundreds of pages of exhibits? I've What's that called. website again? It's a devilexposedexhibits.com. Okay. And the uh, the website where all your stories are at, which is My, Inside True Crime? Inside True Crime is okay. mine. I'm going to put both those links below. So people who want to find those, you can just click them below. And uh, fucking awesome, dude. Can't wait for the next one. <laughs>